Welcome to Space Nerds, your source for intergalactic science fiction and science fact. Engines primed, engage! Hey, hey, this is Alexandria. I'm Jane Smith. And I'm Douglas Gale. And I will be bringing you Space News, Star Trek, Duck Space Nine, Firefly, Black Mirror, and probably superhero stuff. Dystopian fiction! Who's excited? I'm Jesse Mercury, and I'll be your constant cosmic companion, bringing you the weekly space news and sitting down with these amazing friends to talk about science fiction. We are Space Nerds! What's up, Space Nerds? Welcome to the show. Today, we're heading back to Deep Space Nine. Doug and I are going to be discussing two episodes from Star Trek Deep Space Nine's first season, Culus and Dax. Before that, we're going to get into the space news. So there's been a lot of talk about Star Wars recently. Uh, Luckily, fictional, but I actually found an article recently about the fact that space, our space, the space around our planet, might soon be declared a war zone, and there could actually be Star Wars that were real. And it's terrifying and unsettling, but that's what we're going to start the show with today, with the space news. Space news! All right, Alexandra, are you ready for some space news? Yes. So this one is a little unsettling, but are you, are you ready? Let's yeah. do it. I mean, yes. Um, this is from phys.org, as in physics.org. Uh, cool. Phys.org. And this is a, an article about the fact that space might soon become a war zone. Creepy. Yeah. So I, I read through this one. and I, I just want to, you know, summarize this one a little bit. Um, Russia has this new satellite that is capable of going to other satellites and you know, affecting repairs huh. is what it's for. It's a peaceful satellite. But the fact that that exists means that satellites can start attacking each other, basically. Um, and France has this new satellite that is going to have, like, lasers on it. <laughs> so we now have the technology to put lasers and projectile weapons and potentially even nuclear weapons on the satellites in orbit around the Earth. Like, that exists. Um not that that's been done yet, but that does exist. And oh. then, you know, Trump is launching the Space Force, and now NATO is considering declaring... A, that was the hardest eye roll. That was incredible. <laughs> um, NATO is considering declaring space as a potential um, warfaring zone. No. Yeah, isn't that crazy? The answer is no. Make space Switzerland. Yeah. And that's it. This, I mean, this really speaks to the idiocy of humanity, right? <laughs> like... Ugh, it's so frustrating. What? Why? Because people suck, you know? Because, like, people are always... And then also, like, what is the collateral, right? Because, like, okay. Exactly, yeah. Because, like, you got... Let's talk about gangs. Okay? When you have... Yeah. Look, you're like, where are we going with I'm this? like, where are we going with yeah. gangs? Gangs, right? Yeah. When you got gangs who fight each other, there are often, like, innocent bystanders who sure, get absolutely. caught in the crossfire. Right. So you have these two satellites that are upset, and they want to fight each other. And then, like, what if, you know, there's something... What country underneath this, wherever the satellite is hovering is going to catch the fallout? Right. Do you know what I mean? Totally. What? Who does it land on? Right. And, like, how much space junk are we creating? And then if it falls into the ocean, what are we doing about the pollution of... Right. You want to know what else is really scary in this article is that um, there are two countries that have not signed a treaty to not use nuclear weapons in space. Bet we're one of them. We are. We sure are. And guess who the other is? Is it Russia? It's North Korea. You were close. Yokes. Yeah. So there is a treaty out there that every nation, most nations except for the like U.S. and North Korea have signed. Uh, all of like the nuclear 
capable nations have signed this except for the U.S. and North Korea, stating that they won't use nuclear weapons in space. And we haven't signed that, which is terrifying. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this... Just truly everyone, because we are not video recording this one, every single time he has said something so far, I've just been shaking my head. Yeah. Just like... Yeah, we're doing a batch of space news today. Do you remember? Your, your neck must be exhausted from it's, all the head shaking. Look, and your eyes must be tired from all the eye rolling. It's all, like I said, I'm about to be cross-eyed when I leave this place tonight. Do you remember? Shit, what was I going to say? That's not a question that I can answer. Ah, 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 space bombs. Do you remember? Do you remember when I said that, like, it was really interesting to be, and I don't know if I said it over the air or off it, offline, but I said it's really interesting to be on the space news is with you. Uh-huh. One, because I don't really know anything about sci-fi and so I, or even like space and things or science and so i just try to wax poetic on some <laughs> bullshit um but also because like i am very skeptical about the fact that humans are going to ruin everything that we touch yeah and like you'd be like so this, when you're thinking about like the elevator to the moon i'm just like yeah okay we're gonna ruin that or like we're gonna go and live on this whatever until we ruin that planet like that sort of thing this <laughs> this is, is your language why. yeah this is because why we it's can't basically have nice like things. we can't have nice things. We can't even go out into space without it wanting without people wanting it to become a war zone. Yeah, it's it's massively disappointing that this is happening because I grew up this Star Trek nerd optimist who always believed that by the time we got out into space as a culture, we would have our shit together and yeah. we'd be working as one. Yeah. And honestly, like space exploration, interestingly, is one of those things where nations work together. Like the International Space Station is this shining beacon. International. It's shining beacon of what could be. Yeah. You know, scientists in general tend to work together. They tend to not try to fight each other. They try to help each other a rising tide lifts all boats in science you know because like one person making a discovery can help someone else's re- research and vice versa yeah. and we can all be better and all learn because of that mm-hmm. um and yeah i mean and space exploration is, is in large part like that but there is also this like competitive nature to space exploration like the the, the race the race to get to the moon first. And mm-hmm. now we have this race to get to Mars first. Mm-hmm. And as if we're going to claim these bodies for the United States or whatever, mm-hmm. which is such bullshit. Um, but I do have, I mean, I because grew truly up. Truly the sun owns all these planets. Well, I mean, the sun God Ra owns all of uh, us. Here we go. You know, here we go. Or whatever it is in Scientology. The, that I forget the God's name, but they, I don't they, know, but isn't Ra, Ra's Egyptian, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, Stargate. It's a good movie. Ah, yeah. They actually battle Ra. I only know Ra from the Prince of Egypt. Well, I know Ra from Stargate. Cool. And from Egypt. And from... Have you ever seen the Prince of Egypt? It's DreamWorks. The DreamWorks movie. Prince of Egypt. No. Oh. Is it a cartoon? If you... Yes, it is. It's animated. But if you were not religious, I see why you wouldn't have seen it. Is it a religious It was also a hit. Well, yes, it's based on Moses. Okay. Um, The story of Moses. Yeah, I mean, Moses... Is Jewish, and I am Jewish. Do you know that? But I'm not religious. I know, but yeah. like also, like I saw it because I'm not Jewish. I saw it because it was a dope Bible story, and like, yeah, it's a really good movie too. But anyway, <laughs> uh, DreamWorks did that. Uh, but Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston did a duet for the. Anyway, that's what makes me think. Let's go. We'll go back to what you were saying. I interrupted I honestly you. Honestly, couldn't tell you what I was saying <laughs> at this it. point. 
I do um, this to. I don't know why Jesse has me on here. I just keep interrupting him it's, with pointless things. It's more fun. Okay. I'd rather be interrupted. Okay. But but what were we talking about? Um, wait. Oh, why oh, were we talking oh, the first about, to race to oh, a planet to claim it for ourselves? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I said that the planets are owned by the sun. Yeah, I mean. I don't know. I mean, this there, humanity has this like hubris, right? That if we reach this land, we were talking about like colonizing in the last episode. Like we reach this land, we claim it, which is, is oh, vomit inducing. It's really awful, yes. you know? And this idea that like we reach the moon first and we plant this flag and we claim this moon, but it's earth's moon, it's earth's you know? Moon. And I, and I know that like America is not claiming jurisdiction over the moon. I know that. Of course not. But there is this national pride for having landed on the moon first. Um, and I'm sure Russia has this pride for having the first, you know, satellite in space with uh, Sputnik. Because mm-hmm. um, they beat us to that. And that's kind of what fueled the space race was fear of Russia having this thing in space. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's like all these like politics that are involved in this that are really interesting. And now like we have this... Uh, you know, warmongering president Who? who's, <laughs> I don't know his name, know who's either. like creating the Space Force um, and like creating, like the, there is now a militarized branch of our government in the country that you and I live in to fight war in space. Like that's what this branch of government is for. It's like preemptive. See, this really is my kind of space suit because it's, it's basically like an I told you so. Like humans ain't <laughs> shit. Like we just ain't. Yeah. And I, I recognize that, but I, there is like, I lo- but I don't want to ever all kill humans, your child. You know? Like all, t- all you, know, you can't, you can't. Cause like, I am still like in awe of the international space station and the fact that there's these people working did together. Did you watch the spacewalk? Uh, I did not. Oh, I saw images of it. I didn't watch the video of it. For shame. Well, you know what? Fuck me. <laughs> um, but I do, I, I, just because there is this like warring aspect to humanity yeah. doesn't mean that there isn't a peaceful aspect to humanity. It doesn't mean there isn't a scientific scientific and and hopeful aspect to humanity. Like they can all exist at the same time. It's true. But this is why it's so important to vote and to like put people in power who have the the well being of the planet in mind. Yeah. Because the whole planet. The whole planet. We are all human, you yeah. know? Every single one of us is human. And to you sure to to discount anyone or to say that any like group of people is less than is doing a disservice to everyone so we gotta stop and we're developing this technology like we have spy satellites we now have um, satellites that can attack other satellites we're gonna be putting lasers and projectile weapons on satellites and potentially even nuclear weapons on satellites like we gotta get our shit together see we just be talking about everything on these space newses yeah I mean, Humanity. literally, because we talked about colonoscopies for a good long while. I mean, colonizing, colonoscopies. <laughs> Colon. Colon. Powell. <laughs> Colon Firth. <laughs> yeah. And butt stuff. And butt stuff. Take care of your butts. Take care of your butts. Yeah. But like, it's so many different things that make, I mean, we are humans. We are in space. Right. I mean, literally, the space news could just be news on Earth because we're in space. Because we're in space. But that's boring. That's lame. Nobody wants that. But even yeah. though all of your space articles are from Earth. Yeah, every single article written on Earth. So. Yeah. I don't know. But, I mean, how does that make you feel, this idea that that space could be declared a war zone? I, I think that you heard how I felt. Yeah. I said, I said no. 
and I said, I'm putting my foot down. Well, I guess what I mean is like, I feel like this is premature. I feel like people are declaring a war zone preemptively in case Didn't wars we are talk fought. about the long the long peace that we're in and like yeah, it's high did. time for that to end and like what well, i didn't way say to... it was high time for oh. it to end i just said we were in the long peace in which we have the technology <laughs> to destroy ourselves and haven't yet yeah but yeah i feel like this is a step in the wrong direction absolutely um like claiming that space is a war zone when you say how do you feel about it i just i guess it's just like i'm not surprised uh-huh yeah for sure this is it's more, not surprising this it's, is more of yeah. like the yeah yeah this is what i expect i don't expect lab-grown meat in space i don't expect a dangly point from the moon i don't expect <laughs> do you know what i mean i don't expect yeah really i don't expect really great amazing breakthroughs, scientific breakthroughs i expect humans to be humans and ruin things yeah and like look at this beautiful space with all these gorgeous stars and space junk and <laughs> You know what would be great? Satellites with lasers. Like It's so Dr. Evil. It's like what with laser beams. Like I mean with like lasers. That was, was really good. Was it? I thought it was terrible. Well, I just want to support you, friend. Thanks. <laughs> but yeah, I just uh yeah, this is a this is a very this is very bleak space news. And I hope that it's just like the article does this to people. I hope that everyone starts talking going like, this is a terrible idea so that that can spread. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And unf- well, I think there's a lot of people out there that think it's a good idea because, you know, I mean, I spent a lot of time watching Stargate SG-1 and it's a military science fiction show where you have all these military minds and, you know, you know, working to protect the planet. And there is this like military ideology, which is, you know, strike first to protect ourselves or you know like, take no chances. Mm-hmm. And I mean there is some there is some validity to this like take no chances with the safety of the human race. Yeah. Um but unfortunately what I think often ends up happening is that like or at least the way it's portrayed in media is often like these you know these people who are hungry to use nuclear weapons to protect us who don't realize they're going to destroy the whole planet or they don't really know what they're up against. I mean there are there are places where even allowing it to become you know a war zone could like allowing space to become a war zone could be like catastrophic for mm-hmm. the entire planet. So yeah. to, you know, it's like, what do we do? Do we, I think what, I think what we should do is, is diplomacy. I think what we should do is like make a treaty saying it's not a war zone. Yeah. Let's stop. Let's make it not a war zone. Yeah. You know, like instead of like preemptively making it a war zone, no wars have been fought in space. Declaring it a potential war zone does not help anybody. Let's just say, let's make it not a war zone. Let's just say that that's bad for all humanity. And yeah, why don't because we like making it a war zone doesn't help. Like what are the good reasons to do it in space? What are, what good reasons are there? There are no good reasons to me. Like, you put a nuclear weapon on a satellite? No thanks. Yeah, and I don't know if they're thinking that we're going to have humans in space fighting each other. No I don't think that's thanks. the case. I think what they're thinking is that we're going to have, you know, satellites in space either fighting each other or directed towards the planet. And, Oof. you know. Ooh, all these are bad. It's all bad. Yeah, we don't want any of this. Oof. Why would we want to have a nuclear arsenal in space? You know? Why? Like, like that. And there are people that would say that. It's a good idea because it protects us because we, and maybe it's, it's not there to be used. It's there to be there just in case it's, it's like a, a, what's the word when you like a contingency uh, plan. Yeah. That's the, no, that's not the word I'm thinking of. Oh. Uh, um, I don't know. 
uh, I don't remember the word. But the yes, sure. Contingency plan. Well, I mean, okay. The, wor- the word I'm thinking is like when you stop someone from doing something by scaring them away from doing it. You know what I mean? Ooh. Yes, but I don't know what the word is. That, that, uses, use, that word is used in relationship to nuclear weapons a lot, and I can't think of it. All I know is you said take no chances, that sort of thing, and it made me think of um, the fact that, sure, we would have something for just in case or a safety measure, but everything that we have ever touched, speaking for Americans, like we get real afraid real quick and we let loose real quick yeah yes the, the fear everything we like we just get real fear-based yeah and it's just like they fire off yeah i think that's a human thing okay i think more 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 than just americans i think that like human beings are fear-driven creatures mm-hmm. and when you act out of fear you often make the wrong choice mm-hmm. yeah and so i understand when safety is like safety but then when it's like for example i walk with a stun gun i have one in my pocket and i walk with one wow. i do i walk with it because lately people have been like getting snatched up in the streets i don't know if you've what? seen any of the news is no um any of the news is any of the new my the entire news. phone's news feed is space? just space shit space um, and like cw arrowverse yeah, that's great yeah uh speaking of uh Tom Welling is going to be on Arrow. Well, there's they're doing like the Crisis on Infinite Earths, and I, the rumor is that Tom Welling's Superman from like Smallville from is going to make an appearance. Let me tell you, I read that article. I thought of you. Did you watch Smallville? Yes. Oh, I fucking love Smallville. And Have we talked about this? N- no, we haven't because I don't know if you knew that I loved Smallville. I, I watched didn't, I don't think every I knew that. single episode. Wow. And Tom Welling has gotten older and thicker oh, in the he's chest. So hot. Yeah, he looks good. Woo! I love Smallville. Have I actually me. bailed at the end of season eight because I was like, I no end of season nine because I'm like I can't take it anymore. It started it got going so a little, bad. Yeah. So I never saw. And the closing, the closing season was pretty good though. Was it? I never it saw the last. Good, but season. it was more of like a. It was for the fans, so it was more yeah. like a wrap up and very sweet. And they like, should have canceled it after season things. seven when when um, Michael Rosenbaum left the show. Yeah. And, and when the creators left the show. Yeah. They should have ended it. But, but all the way through season seven, that show's fucking awesome. I stuck with it. I loved that show. Oof, I really, me too, I really loved but it. But I just really love Tom Welling. Yeah. He's fine. He is. Um, yikes. Um, I know. Miles right? agrees. Miles, Miles yes. also thinks that Tom Welling is a hottie. Absolutely. Uh, why were we there? Rewind, rewind, rewind. Because uh, I interrupted. Newsfeed. Yes. getting snatched up. Yes. Women are being like uh, abducted and sex trafficked. What? Like, In Seattle? Every, like, well not in seattle but everywhere and i'm just aware that's There've terrifying been, like, little video not little videos but like videos coming out of girls like getting into lifts and the lift driver like taking them to a place that's not the place that they uh-huh. uh, asked to be taken and like girls getting out and like running for their lives and like whatever wow. so i just i carry a stun gun on me for safety right sure. but i'm not also like running up on people like just stun gunning the shit out of them out of fear or like like getting scared and like ah stun gun you yeah. i'm definitely like you know i just walk with it my hand on it and i i mean have you ever sure. used it when you shouldn't have no are you tempted no i just give someone the, a little shock Ooh. i think the temptation wish i think the temptation more is to try it on myself to see what it feels like but i'm also <laughs> not that kind of girl so it'll never happen i'm not that kind of scientist yeah so i will never do that experiment okay but i have it in my pocket right now and it's wow. a very irritating sound it sounds like what it might feel like. Um, I'll play it for you when we we're not offline. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean there there is this fine line between protecting yourself and the interests of your loved ones, and yeah, being 
a warmonger. Yeah. And putting people in danger because of your warmongering. Like a gun, cool. An AK-47, I don't know why you need it. Right. Right. Like, I'm, I'm so liberal, you know, but I'm not, like, I'm not anti- guns entirely i mean maybe i am i don't know i what i what i believe very strongly is that getting guns should be hard and that there should be training involved Hmm. i i don't necessarily believe that no one should be allowed to own guns like i don't feel like that's my place to make that choice yeah yeah. but i do feel like yeah i do feel i mean even though i don't want a gun and i wouldn't you know it's not for me personally but like i don't if if a friend of mine owned a gun i wouldn't be like offended by that necessarily but i am very offended by like how the gun system works in America yeah. and how easy it is to get um, guns and not just guns, but like automatic yeah. weapons and yeah. the fact that it's like way easy to get them and the background checks don't exist and there's no training. Like you, people, you, you have to go to a, a class to drive a car. Real. And that's like, you know, and, very, and it's a very tests. dangerous thing to drive a car and yeah. it, it is a very dangerous thing to own a gun. And it's crazy that there's not a similar type of class. It's that really is required. interesting. My, uh, my father teaches gun safety hmm. um but mainly to just people who want to learn it yeah it's one of his passions yeah um i am i am the one out of the family that is not really uh, guns aren't really my thing um but i get that they're like sometimes a necessary thing that you gotta be like i was wa- <laughs> i was house sitting for my parents and i was sitting in their room and all the lights in the kitchen went out and i called my dad and i was like so i'm sitting in your bedroom watching tv Every single light in the kitchen just went out. I don't know what's up. And he was just like, cool, go over to the safe. He told me how to do it. Da, 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 da. He's like, pick up the gun. Like, he told me that I like the it. Oh, wow. And I, and oh, I, shit. I chick-chicked it. And then wow. he said, now put it back. And he's like, if you need it, it's there. Now it's ready. And I was like, yeah. I held it. And I was just like, what is this? I was like holding it like it's a damp disgusting mildewy rag. Oh, God. But I just don't, I don't really fuck with guns like that. But yeah, yeah I see what you're saying. Yeah. Safety versus like fear-based anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's crazy. Space space war. Yeah. Um, so let me just look at the end of this article here. Yeah. Um, the use of nuclear weapons and weapons of mass destruction in space is currently banned under the Outer Space Treaty and the Comprehensive Nuclear Test Ban Treaty. But not all nuclear armed nations have ratified the latter, including the US and North Korea. So that's what I was referencing before. Um A number of small nuclear tests in space were conducted in the 1960s, including Starfish Prime, which is a ridiculous name for a nuclear test. I was going (laughs) to... These resulted in artificial radiation belts forming around the Earth. This... I have to read this again. That does sound like a delicious restaurant. Starfish Prime. Starfish Prime. Who eats starfish? These resulted in artificial radiation belts forming around the Earth which were still detectable decades after the event, Yikes. posing a danger for a- astronauts. Yikes. These radiation belts also disabled half a dozen satellites in low Earth Yikes. orbit. If the results of Starfish Prime are anything to go by, then clearly it would take only a handful of nuclear detonations to make space unusable for any satellites for decades to come. And again, I start shaking my head. Yeah. Given the options now becoming available, it seems important to remember that under the Outer Space Treaty, space is supposed to be used only for peaceful purposes Come on. and remain the domain of all mankind. Talk about it. Yeah. That's what it is. That is what it is. And the fact that the fact that there are people out there in power who want it to be other, otherwise is chilling. And that's the space news. It's just the heaviest of eye rolls. Yeah. 
Your eyes are going to fall out. I'm, I promise you. I'll pick them back up and put them in. <laughs> Space News! All right, folks. It is Doug Space Nine time. So this episode of Doug Space Nine was originally live streamed on my YouTube page at youtube.com slash Sci-Fi on November 2nd, 2018. So we're probably going to talk about Star Trek Discovery and it's probably going to be dated, but a conversation about Star Trek Deep Space Nine is so dated anyway that who cares? <laughs> Uh, so we're going to talk about two episodes from season one of Deep Space Nine, Culus and Dax. Let's do it. Doug Space Nine. Doug Space Nine. Doug Space Nine. This is my favorite part of the show, is when no one can see us. It's th- This is where the solid gold happens. Lucky bastards. Are you ready? Yeah. Are you sure? I mean, I say yes, even though I'm cleaning my glasses. You don't look ready. I just realized there's a bunch of schmutz on there. Uh-oh. Get the schmutz. Okay. Okay, now you look ready. Here we go. Oh, this is worse. Boom! I'm still... Ah! <laughs> <laughs> yep, that is worse. Oh, no, it's worse. I knew it wasn't ready. We are live, my friends. Here we go. Stream health is not... Is in... Oh, no. In the orange. Oh, well. Fuck it. It's probably working. It looks like it's working. It's raining out. That's got to affect me. What's up, Super Hamster? I know, it's raining, so the stream health is bad. That's what Doug's face looks like naked. Mm-hmm. Whenever I see people without glasses that I'm used to seeing with glasses, I'm mm. like, your face is naked. <laughs> so does my goddamn iPhone. It won't do the face unlock. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And they have a new version of it where you can put in like other faces, so I did it with and without glasses, and it still doesn't work well without my glasses. Wow. Hey, Amanda, Andy, and Jillian. Hi, Jillian. Boom, boom, boom. That, rem- that reminds me. I have this new face mask feature. I wonder what it does when there's two people. Oh, can we get like little? We're gonna get little cat ears. Yeah, hold on. Let's let's. I want to find out. Can we face swap the whole time? Uh, unfortunately, no. But that's a terrifying and wonderful <laughs> idea that I would love to try. <laughs> hold on. Okay, let's let's test the face swapping. I think I can test it from here. Face masks. Face masks. Ooh. Wait. That's not us. It's in the alert alert box. Test merch, test on it. Oh, I can only do it from the other program. I, I got a new program to stream from, and I I can't use it for this show yet. Okay. Because I have to rebuild the the template. I didn't have time this week. Come back next week to see what faces we're wearing. Yeah. Well, two weeks. <laughs> but it's actually possible... Uh, it might be possible to get clips on screen with the Ooh. new program. What's up, Patrick? Good to see you, man. So, yeah, that's something to keep in mind for next time. Although I don't know if that's going to... Uh, like if we get some sort of like content ID from doing that and they ask us to take the show down, I'll be very sad. <laughs> that would like really bum me out. Yeah, let's not. No one, no one call the fuzz on us. Don't bring the heat down. Yeah, don't call the YouTube police. <laughs> you enjoyed the episodes much more this week? Yeah, they were pretty solid this week. Well, it's that, you know, you gotta, you gotta slog through a bunch of crap early season Star Trek, man. That's, <laughs> that's the way it works. Hey, Mr. Parker, what is this about? I haven't seen any of the other episodes of this. Uh, so this is my friend Doug, and we talk about... Hi, Parker. Two episodes of Deep Space Nine per episode of Doug Space Nine. And it's a really tight conversation focused entirely on Deep Space Nine. Exactly. We don't We don't go all over the place and talk about Star Trek Discovery most of the time. No, sir. <laughs> I'm not trying to slowly undermine Jesse's opinion about Discovery. <laughs> That's not what this show is for. I'm not trying to change your opinion. I'm just trying to show you how all of your objections have no legs. Right. That's all I'm trying to I'm just and trying to I, sweep your foundation. I just want to make sure you know that your personal opinions are incorrect. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. 
Uh, oh, Andy's watching too. Awesome. What's up, Andy? Good to see you. It's like a hollow filter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. The face masks are a hollow filter. Yes. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it's going to work with two of us here. I don't even know if it works. Yeah, Discovery's a trash fire. There you go. I know. See? Amanda is right about a lot of things, except for this. Especially this. Well, What's you know up, what? Mike? I'm Good willing to accept that people think Discovery's a trash fire, but I'm telling you, when they get to season five, you're going to be saying, oh, Discovery's so good. Maybe skip sure. the first season. Just like you I believe do with that. every other Star Trek season. I believe that. I think that that could be true, but I also think that uh, your st- your assertion that the first season of Discovery is better than most first than Definitely. any other first season of Star Trek 100%. is 100% incorrect. First 13 episodes, not first season, first 13 episodes. Sure. I mean, well, we're still on episode seven, 7 of Deep Space Nine yeah. already like world's better. World's better than Discovery. No. So much better. This this week we get back into space wizard territory, which is a real fun yeah. part. The literal of Star space Trek. wizard queue is here this and week. And we also go through a explicit massive redesign of a previous species. So, I mean, we're we're squarely in Star in a, yeah. a Star Trek Discovery territory. They they redesign the trill and they redesign the the like the Bajorans yeah. so much. Yeah. On, on this show. <laughs> yeah, like Bajorans at first had like a, a a straight line on their forehead as well as the ridges like Ensign Rowe has that and but now they they have some with that and then they kind of get rid of that and there's actually some Bajorans where you see them with a line and then the next time you see them they don't have it yeah. it's it's pretty crazy yeah and then the trill is that are you talking about the trill yeah but that's yeah. that's the second one we can save that yeah we'll save I'll that okay you. okay you want to jump right into Q-less? let's jump into Q-less. right oh my god okay this episode is it's, it's simultaneously it's completely pointless <laughs> yes. and utterly entertaining. Yeah, it's and it's it's yeah, it has no reason to exist. No None. reason to exist. None. It would be one of the worst of the first season, except for Vosh. I mean, I really think that uh, there's no reason to even have a Vosh episode in no, Deep Space Nine. There's not. But if you're going to start clawing people back from uh, TNG that's a decent choice yeah <laughs> uh, she's a great actor uh, The char- I think the character is a fun interesting character uh, it's consistent she's consistent between the Vash episodes of TNG sure yeah and, but and to wrap it around Q is duh. it's crazy yeah Andy was saying how oh, yeah thank you Andy can we talk about her jacket yeah her jacket's <laughs> fantastic and then she wears like earrings that are a necklace. Yeah. What is that? It's fucking red. <laughs> Cisco punched Q. Yes. Never had any more problems out of exactly. <laughs> Q never comes back. You punch Q once, and he's like, "All right, I'm not fucking with this guy." But yeah, I, it it really seems like a completely shoehorned attempt to get Q onto the show. Yeah. And I actually looked up some of the uh, behind the scenes stuff on this. And it started as a Vash episode. Uh, like, they wanted to have Vash come on the show. it makes sense. She comes back. She's been traveling. So she can... There's a reason to put a character in uh, exactly. the, the Gamma Quadrant. But Q was like an afterthought. Yeah. Which well, is so funny. What's probably happened is someone was like, Hey, well, we should probably watch those TNGs. And like, oh, that was Q. Well, why don't we just throw him in here, too? Yeah. They were... Like, the producers were saying that they really wanted to have Q come on the show at some point, And this just seemed like... The perfect opportunity because they were already working on this Vash story. Like, if you're bringing Vash back, you have to bring Q back. Yeah, because the last time we saw Vash, she was like running off with Q. Q, right? But you know what's super interesting is that when this aired, the very next week, Q was on Next Generation on the Tapestry episode. <laughs> Isn't that weird? It like makes no sense. Nothing about Q makes sense. Yeah, totally. Q is a huge mistake in my opinion. I, I I think the episodes are fun, but I really feel like Star Trek made a choice and now they're kind of stuck, stuck with, with it. it. I yeah, disagree. I love. I, I think John Delancey I was too Q. good of an actor. That the Q in 
Farpoint. It's and he's another thing that's all over the map. Like nothing about him. Forget the fact that he's an infinite power space wizard. Nothing about his motivations make any kind of sense. It's just bizarre. So yeah. He's one of the main things when people are like, well, what about in Discovery? I'm like, Q, Q. <laughs> Everything you think about his Discovery doesn't matter because Q exists. What's up, uh, gamer guy in Italki? You love some Deuce Space Nine. Nice. Yeah. Deuce oh, is YouTube Gaming is gone for you. Yeah, we talked about this last night. They're closing down YouTube Gaming. It's mm. crazy. They're, they're reintegrating it into the regular YouTube. Which might be good, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Anyway, um, I love Q, and I love I love the whole arc that he has on Next Generation. I think Q on Next Generation is, like, really well written. Uh, it starts out a little shaky, but yeah. by the time you get to the season three episode where he loses his powers and gets stabbed in the hand with a fork by right. Guinan, that yeah. shit's fucking awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he, and Tapestry, like we, I was just talking, Tapestry is a great episode, one of yeah. my favorite episodes of Next Generation. They do good things with him, but it takes yeah. forever, and they still never really explain why he does what there's like zero motivation for anything that he does I think he's any just kind of sense bored I think he's just infinitely bored and trying to have fun and like yeah Starfleet offers a little bit of uh interest to him yeah yeah and the whole thing at the end of this episode where he's talking to Vash about how seeing the universe through her eyes made him feel wonder for like a split second like yeah. he's just too old <laughs> and, and like too much of a brat to no. enjoy anything what that moment is is they're like you know what maybe Q is just Doctor Who and, exactly and, yeah he, but, it's totally Doctor but Who but he's not it's just like in that one moment and also with Q you can't believe anything the man says he's clearly a liar yeah he's ready to physically torture this woman so that she'll hang out with him yeah that that's fucked and up. That also, fucked he up. has infinite power in an infinite universe, and he focuses on Janeway or Vash. Like, yeah, that's another thing I've. The only I have a huge problem with that. It's like he he happens to show up right. on the next series. I could accept the fact if you believe that like Q is simultaneously being a fucking creepazoid to <laughs> millions of sentient uh, uh, creatures across the universe at the same time. Then I'm more willing to accept what is going on with Q. And maybe he can. Maybe he can. You need to, you, Q is one of those things for me where you just need massive headcanon to even make it make right. sense within Star Trek. Totally. But this is where, in my opinion, the more like uh, TOS that Star Trek gets, the kind of weaker it gets. Yeah, like and the, the running, god characters. Running so into TOS. god characters in space, you know. I right. mean, Q is just you know, a, a, a more advanced version of Trelane. Yeah, they and they keep shoehorning him back into the the new series. Like I think what they do with him in Voyager is it, that's a little too far for me. I'm like I cannot accept that Q is now on Voyager yeah. in the in the Delta Quadrant. Yeah. This this is too far. Yeah. But then they sometimes they do interesting stuff like the episode where there's another Q who wants to be allowed to die yeah. and they have a trial. Well, he's that a, was a good episode. He, John Delancey is a great actor. That he really hams it up when he's playing his face space wizard. So yeah. I can see why they keep going back to that well. But yeah. once you accept Q, then uh, magic teleporting mushroom drive is no problem. <laughs> yeah, no Q problem. is a 12 on the mushroom scale. Absolutely. He's an infinite on the mushroom scale. Yeah. Q is the mushroom scale <laughs> that we rate other mushroom <laughs> events upon. Maybe that's how he travels so quickly. It's through, yeah, the through the mycelial network. The Q continuum is the mycelial <laughs> network. That's totally what's and happening. they're all just fucking baked out of their minds on space they're mushrooms. They're on space mushrooms. Yeah, but when you get to the Q Civil War, in Voyager, I'm just out. I'm like, this is dumb. And then he's like, your puny mind cannot comprehend this any other way than by showing the Earth Civil War. I'm right. like, no. My puny mind is yeah. can see through your budget constraints. <laughs> what it is, is that you have a flair for costumes, Q. Just admit yeah. it. You just like playing dress You up, like cosplay. And there's nothing wrong with that. 
Yeah. Okay, but let's okay, let's talk okay. about Qless because yes. this episode starts out with another insanely ridiculous situation that a teleport could teleporter would have fixed. Yes, which yes. is there's people <laughs> trapped in a shuttlecraft and we can't get into it. Right. But before that, we have Bashir hitting on someone in Quarks by talking about his like Starfleet <laughs> medical exams and he's like pre-ganglionic nerve and post-ganglionic fiber that comes up like several times throughout the show. I'm sure I got that backwards. It was a trick question. It was a trick, yeah. And he's like got this woman like on the edge of her seat. You can tell this was written by a horny dude. Because, <laughs> like most of Star Trek? Yeah, she's like on the edge of her seat. Like you can tell that she's like turned on by him Ooh. talking about his entrance exams. And uh, O'Brien's behind just like, this dude's gross. Like, this guy's a creeper. <laughs> and then they get called from Cisco to go save the day at the docking ring. Right. And Cisco doesn't even mention that it's like an emergency. Right. He's like, please report to the docking ring. Sure, we'll just stroll and they, like, down there. saunter over there Walk. and there's like people dying in a shuttlecraft. Dax is dying in a right. shuttlecraft. On their last gasp of air. It makes no sense. Beam them off. Right. Beam them off of the shuttlecraft. If you have a problem in a shuttlecraft at a docking ring, <laughs> beam the people to sickbay. They go out of their way to show that a problem could have been solved with a transporter and they didn't do it yet they end the episode by solving the problem with the transporter it's weird right they, they beam off that that uh the egg pseudo orb <laughs> yeah the real story of this episode is that there is a space creature's egg <laughs> who can move a space station and poke holes in it just by coming to its coming to term I don't know it, it's very strange like the, the, at one point uh, the space egg, like, remember when like they they lose. <laughs> think of the words you're saying as you're describing the show. There's a space egg that's drawing power that turns it into gravitons. Yeah, exactly. At the one point, they like lose. They depressurize Science. ops. Do you remember when ops gets depressurized? Oh yeah, we're, like we're, where? Yeah. Like there's a hole somewhere in Deep Space Nine. Well, it's affecting everywhere. Yeah, it makes that was very so little like sense. suddenly there's a rush of air like. Who put the window open? Yeah, and of course it's like gorgeous, and Cork's wa- Cork wants to trick Vosh into yes. selling it to him yeah, for yeah, less yeah. money. Um, but yeah, anyway, so like so, on the shuttlecraft, we see that Vosh is there, and then you have that ridiculous turnaround shot where Q is like still pretending to work on the yes. on the stuff, and all O'Brien had to do was like pl- he plugged in an external battery and it had power, and then he then they could open the door. So much of O'Brien's job seems like it's just being there with stuff. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> I, a lot of techno babble for O'Brien to plug in an external battery. Amanda says Bashir being a player doesn't work for yeah. me. He couldn't make it work. Yeah, he's a fuckboy. Yeah. It's a, gross. Yeah, and both of these episodes this week start with him hitting on somebody. Is Nightbot a real robot, or is that It's a robot, a yeah. Okay. So, yeah, if you type in a command, it'll pop up oh, a response. We have a robot. We have a robot. Yeah, there was an actual robot in chat. <laughs> And Mercury Fleet is a bot also. Oh, nice. Okay. Uh, Gamer Guy said, how am I going to sponsor you if YouTube Gaming is deleted? They're bringing that over to regular YouTube, so that shouldn't change at all. Yeah. From what I understand. Or just like mail cash. <laughs> mail cash, yeah. Uh, Venmo. As opposed to female cash, I guess. Venmo. Um, <laughs> yeah, I feel like they're really doing... Bashir a disservice with the way they're having him hit on everybody because well, it, it seems indiscriminate, yeah. indiscriminate, mm-hmm. indiscriminately he hits on everyone who's even remotely attractive. In both female. episodes that comes up, and and in several episodes prior to this mm-hmm. one, and it kind of it's like kind of getting tiresome. I think. Well, yeah, they have they, they eventually do ease off a little bit of that with Bashir. They change right. it, but again, it's a thing I'll keep mentioning. This is one of the downsides of even pseudo. Uh, 
it's 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 episodic. It's pseudo serialized more than TNG. But they don't explore this aspect of Bashir or even show him getting mature. It's just they have him stop being a fuckboy all the time. Yeah, well, he starts dating Lita, and then they just let him... Then it just becomes like, now it's like, ooh. Focus his fuckboy nature on yeah. one person. Then then there's becomes like, what's like, a, what's like a, a new relationship energy like for people? What's it like when you're around somebody who's gaga? Then it's, what is it when they're going through a breakup? It's just the excuse to do certain stories. It's, it's sure. not fully... It, it's like, it's very one-dimensional. Like, uh, O'Brien and Keiko, it's like, it's a marriage on the rocks kind of thing. Do we know what order these were filmed in? These were filmed as six and seven. Yeah, these were filmed in the order that they were released in. But it doesn't seem like it because Odo's makeup seems like it goes backwards <laughs> in Dax than it is in yeah. in like Culus in the couple episodes prior. <laughs> yeah, his his face gets less lumpy as time goes on, but the first season it's it's really off. Yeah, this seems like everyone was struggling with their parts. I agree. I think yeah. that that's the writing. I think that they didn't quite have the character designs down yet, yet yeah. as far as like who these people are mm-hmm. um, Cisco Cisco also Dodd kind of poorly <laughs> I think that's a typo it's all you like did kind of poorly oh yeah. did kind of poorly yeah you like horny characters because it's hilarious with the pickup lines <laughs> yeah I mean they, they play they play Bashir for, for laughs a lot with his horniness which sometimes is fine yeah sometimes it's less fine and well, I'll get to that when we get to the next episode. I think. Well, no, this one. He when he's got Vash as a patient. And oh, it's that's like, right. He's I'm Vash in too. my job as a Federation medical person. Hey, by the way, do you want to maybe go out for dinner and smooch faces later? Yeah. Oh, I wish I could think of a reason to keep you here. Like, what the fuck, doctor? I'm sad that you're not sick, so I can't hit on you more. Yeah, that can't, cannot be appropriate. He hits on every every woman. Yeah. He hits on like everybody, and it was kind of. I think that there's an element of it being almost cute when he's only hitting on Dax. It's like he's just mm-hmm. gaga for Dax. Well, they kind of make it like everybody. Like, they have literally the scene where there's like people staring at her as she walks through right. you know, Deep Space Nine. It goes a little far with that, too. But then, like, when Bashir starts hitting on everybody, it's no longer like a cute crush. Yeah. Don't forget your orb. My orb. <laughs> it's no longer a cute crush. It, it's just like he's just being kind of a creep. He's just yeah. really horny. Like <laughs> the 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 biggest takeaway from this week's episodes is that Bashir is not getting laid. <laughs> he's not getting laid at all. Like he needs to spend some hollow sweet time yeah. to get those urges under control so that he can be a functional adult. He I think I think I think Bashir has like a real sex addiction and it's not being talked about. Yeah, O'Brien's giving the crazy looks to Bashir in the beginning is great. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. so good. And I feel like there's a part of him who's both scorning Bashir for this and then kind of like mm, to the girl like that's working. Oh my god. Yeah, totally. And I think it's I I don't I don't think it's working. I think that that was written to work. I think oh, that, like, 100%. I there's mean, no way that that works. Right. That the way that, that it went in that episode. And that's that scene I think could have been more interesting. It's just a small scene to focus on, but they put it there so I'm going to focus on yeah, it. Yeah, totally. Is if she was kind of like polite or eye-rolly. They like they kind of right. try to do with Dax, but they with Dax they try to play it both ways. Like right. is she pushing him away gently? Is she kind of interested? Yeah, it's weird. It seems like she's Enjoying the attention, but not interested. Right. Which is weird for her character. It feels like she should... She's like, she talks to other people about how, like, romance is for the young and all that, mm-hmm. but she doesn't shut Julian down. I think she <laughs> does later this season where she, like, really shuts yeah. him down. I feel like at a certain point they went back and they're like, what are we fucking doing here? Yeah. Man? Has any of you watched Deep Space Nine, the show that we're making? Have you ever watched them all, like, in a row? Because, holy shit, some of this stuff really... <laughs> yeah, when you watch, like... he's back. When you watch... 
two episodes at a time like we're doing mm-hmm. and like really look at two episodes at a time it, it becomes way more obvious that they're going way too far with Julian being a hornball right some of the flaws stand out a lot more because yeah. it's just being it's it's not being drawn out in a thoughtful way it's a character trait that they're hammering every single time right totally but yeah so then uh <laughs> So Q's here, and they kind of <laughs> right. they kind of like hide him a little bit for the first third of the episode, and he's just like bothering yeah. Vosh behind the scenes. He does feel tacked on. The fact that you're saying that that was not the original intent, I can see that more now thinking about the episode because he's yeah. really he's basically watching it the way we're watching it, except he can fuck with people. You know, he's just kind of there. Yeah, like he's he could be watching. Like this, he could be watching everyone without actually being in the room. Right, he's messing yeah. with Cisco, but he has no effect on what the story is. So, I mean, on the um, plot driver, on the on the travails that are happening to them, he's not helping or hurting that. He's just hanging around the station, puppy dogging, puppy dogging uh, Vash. Yeah, which is what? Okay, what is your takeaway of their relationship? Vash and Vash uh, and Q. It's it's just bad writing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, again, I think I think what they're going for is they were trying to go for like almost like a a quirky '30s romantic comedy type dynamic, and a little bit of like I said, the Doctor Who thing, where it's like, oh no, I am this infinite space wizard, but yeah. I do need you, little insignificant human, to think that things are cool, and I can be like, oh yeah, right, these are kind of cool. But whatever they're trying to do, I don't think that they play it well because of the way that he treats her, which yeah. is awful. He's, he's such a bully towards her, and it kind of it totally makes sense to me that after two years together, she's just like done with him and yeah. ready to like not ever speak to him again. Right. And I do like I like what this tells us about Doctor Who more than what it tells us about Star Trek. <laughs> where, like, when you have this infinite, you know, like, all-knowing creature traveling with a human, right. that kind of keeps that person grounded a little bit so they can see the universe through, like, limited eyes a yeah. little bit more. Yeah. Which is totally Doctor Who. I mean, you know, when David Tennant travels alone, he becomes dangerous. Right. Uh, and he, like, needs... A companion with him to kind of keep him grounded so yeah and I think to yeah. also be like hey I can go anywhere but how about you pick something because then you know that's there's at least the hint of novelty of novelness in them picking it for you you know yeah Amanda makes an interesting point uh, no matter how powerful Q is he still has to deal with free will which is interesting because he technically doesn't have to right that's he what can I- he can make people do whatever he wants but it seems like he chooses not to because even for him, that feels hollow. Yeah. And he ne- he needs the free will to, to be interested in what other people are doing. So yeah. I think that he leaves people's free will intact on purpose. Right. Yeah, because like, he makes Bashir go to sleep. He puts Bashir in the penalty box. Yeah. <laughs> He's gone for the rest of the episode. He just makes him go take a nap. Yeah. Which is great, because I'm like, yeah, put Bashir down. Like, we don't need any more Bashir in this episode. You're ruining this character with his horniness, and let's just, let's just not talk to him for the rest of the episode. Yeah. Yeah, but he could. He could snap his fingers and make Vash think however he wanted her to think. He could make a right. new Vash that thinks that way. He could right. find the other human or other alien in the zillions of sentient beings that think basically the same way she does. You but know? it wouldn't be fun for him. It yeah. wouldn't be interesting if he if he changed her in any way, and yeah. that's why he leaves her with her free will intact, and then tries to convince her to stay with him. I mean, the the most intense moment of that in this episode is in <laughs> 99 Julian. Uh... Oh yeah, Talkie totally. We'll get to that in season seven. But that, <laughs> that was interesting for sure. I'm I'm curious to see that with fresh eyes because um, 
not not getting into any spoilers, but because of how this all starts in season one with Julian being so right. horny and gross, yeah. I'm curious. I know he grows a lot. I mean, he becomes genetically modified and much more serious at that point of a character. Sorry, and, my other podcast is going. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm, ex- I'm excited to get to that point. Yeah. But yeah, so when, talking about like Vash and Free Will, when Q like gives her that bug bite back that she got on some planet that he oh saved her God. from, and like makes her... Lose all of her hair yeah. and like tortures her. It's really disturbing and right. really dark. And, like no wonder she doesn't want to be with him. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's, and, and in his mind, it's like, oh, this already happened to you, and I saved you from this. But in reality, it's just like, right. You know, if we're friends, you you don't do this to me. And yeah. So he can't really be friends with someone as much as he wants to be because he's too much of a fucking asshole. Yeah. So other takeaway: don't be an asshole, and maybe you can have <laughs> friends. <laughs> you can learn some lessons from Star Trek. Uh, Amanda yeah. said that uh, Vash seemed comfy in her part. Yeah, Super she does. Comfy. Yeah, I, I I don't know if Amanda means like the the actress actor playing, comfortable as Vash. I think or I the think so. or the character in the situations, but I think both are true. I think that she plays that role really well. Yeah, and I think that she's written to be someone who is comfortable and confident, like dealing with Quark. They show someone who's kind of using the the creepy energy from Bashir and. Quark and other people, you know, to her own advantage, which is something yeah. she can't do with Q because I see that's the other thing. I don't know if you were asking about that. Like, do I think that they had like you know super magic space boning time? And I that's feel the thought it occurred to me. Yeah, well, it has to. Like that yeah. was that seems to be. It's, there's like an undercurrent of maybe. I mean, they've been alone together for years, and Vash is the type of person who like you could. I could imagine Vash Vash. I don't know what to say. I could imagine uh, her hitting on Q. Yeah. I think and that Q it, being like interested enough to go along with it, and I I, I had thought about this a lot, and I've come to the conclusion that the writers don't want to give the implication that there was a sexual relationship because so far at this point in Deep Space Nine, when they do want to imply things, they're super heavy handed about it. Right? They don't ever do anything where it's like really ambiguous in that sense. You know, it's yeah. usually pretty straightforward. They don't imply; they just say it. Yeah, and yeah. then. Uh, in the next one, we see things like that where they, they'll foreshadow that kind of stuff when it's like, oh, this is going to be that they were fucking... You get to see everybody going like, oh, making faces. Yeah, totally. People are very immature about sex and stuff. <laughs> they, they fix that later, though. I mean, the whole... Yeah. The Bajoran attitudes towards sex are actually really cool. And actually, that's something I really love about the show. I mean, what you get to experience a little bit through Julian's relationship with Lita. Right. Uh, which I really like, and I can't wait to talk about that when we get to that yeah. Ryza episode, right, which right, is right. terrible besides <laughs> that with the whole weather system and yeah. Worf being hey, a brings stick it into in the mud. Vash. I mean, Vash, 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 Vash. Uh, what is her fucking name? I, I think, like, know. Picard I... said Vash, and most people say Vash, and I just yeah. don't know what to say. Um, Vash. Uh, Risa, that's where she came from. Not came from, but that's how she was first introduced into Star Trek. Oh, that's right, on Risa with yeah. Picard in the Risa, Picard's Risa episode. Yeah. Uh, and Ferengis. What kind of shirt is that, Doug? Patrick asks. Oh, this is a space laser cat. Yeah. You sell those at your shop, right? Yeah. Yeah, you guys should Don't check out the wrong way. Ugly Baby. It's a, it's a store in the Pike Place Market that uh, Doug's wife founded. Uh, right? Or you were, were you part of that? What's the story? Ah, it's a business. Yeah, I don't know the, our history, <laughs> but yeah, it's stuff yeah, yeah. we we sell and make. It's a really cool store. It's like pretty well known in Seattle, and and there's like a it's it's called Ugly Baby Baby, and there's a picture of a baby's face, and it is actually Doug. Yeah, if you're in Seattle, stop which on by. I didn't even know for a while. We sell analog memes. Analog memes, exactly. My friend uh, Sarah bought one, and it's like on the mirror. 
Nice. It says we are all star stuff and farts. Farts. I just made that. That's like. That's Did you? Like, yeah, I made that just like a month ago. Yeah, on my birthday, we went down to the market. <laughs> we went to your store, and, hey! and she saw that and she bought it, and it was very exciting. Nice. Um, you're a Risa. I'm a Risa kind of person. Yeah. <laughs> oh, me too. Bring yeah, it on. It's a pleasure planet. You pleasure know? planet. I want there to be a Risa episode in every Star Trek, and I'm <laughs> so disappointed with what they've done with it because, like, the Deep Space Nine episode was kind of lame, and the Enterprise episode was okay. Mm-hmm. But, like, the, the TNG ep- Rise episode is great. With the Tox Utat and the Ferengi <laughs> trying to steal it, and Vash and Picard and his short shorts. Like, that's a yeah. great episode. And I don't understand why they always try to put in so much, like... I, I, I want people to go to Risa to, to have fun right. and enjoy themselves and have maybe an adventure while they're there and to have a little tension. I don't want people to go to Risa and deal with, like boring shit you know <laughs> and they do that with Worf yeah and like the weird protests that are happening around yeah. like the weather grid or whatever it was dumb it's gonna be fun when we get there yeah it will be <laughs> like they make Worf such a stick in the mud oh, on DS9 yeah. well it's I so mean, annoying they're not wrong <laughs> well I don't know I mean I think it's the right characters I'm not a, so I'm not a huge fan of Worf on DS9 uh, but I, I think he's so much better on TNG yeah, but I do think it's a good characterization for him, though. I mean, he... Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, except for the, the prison camp stuff, which don't want to talk about yet. But anyway, that's <laughs> my favorite Worf arc in all of Star Trek. Uh, it's so hard to stay focused. It's, yeah. Well, it's more fun when we don't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I do... But speaking of uh, uh, Vash's relationship with Quark... Yeah. I think that's my favorite part of this episode, is like, yeah. she just plays him like a fiddle. And yeah. we get to see some... Umox and yeah. like she just knows how to work a Ferengi. It's so great. Speaking of Umox, during the uh, what's it called the uh, the auction at the end, yeah, when the bid gets up to like a million, like super high, yeah, Quark like repeats the bid and starts touching, touching his, his ears. ear, yeah, yeah, which is it's, like he's grabbing his junk. Yeah, he's like he's, no, he's like, like he's like doing this sexually aroused <laughs> yeah. by. The bidding and starts like touching himself. A million bars, of and that. it's it's a it's such a great character moment. It's, <laughs> it is. It's so good. It like makes his makeup real. It makes his ears real. It's like he's like he's like he has a, a mannerism that's on a part of his body that doesn't exist for the actor. Right, right, right. Which right. I think is really impressive. I love that kind of attention to detail. Yeah, I really enjoyed. They that. They do another uh, cute thing in there when they're doing the bidding, and then they just show a hand, but it's got six fingers, and so then he's like six bars or whatever you know the jump or 600 but oh, that's I like didn't catch but it's just that. one hand held up and then he's like I didn't catch that six. that's great I love that that's so cool I do a lot of freeze framing of it for the memes that I'm making so nice <laughs> oh do you have one this week uh yeah I, I emailed you too oh you did okay yeah. cool I'll pull it up later okay we'll do it during the break yeah oh yeah good idea um yeah I I love I just really love Quark in this episode because yeah. normally they just play him as like a greedy hornball, which he still kind of is in this episode. But his his like shrewd business sense comes out a little bit, where he's yeah. like, "There's a profit to be made here, right?" And I'm gonna go after it. Yeah, and uh, and he just like really seems to respect Vash. Well, see, yeah, what I because of her him, like greed. Yes, like yeah. he is mostly the kind of person that will take everything he can from suckers. Right. So when he's like 50-50 split with Vosh, he's just assuming like, oh, she's just like some schmo archaeologist who dug up a bunch of crap and 50-50 sounds good. Yeah. And then he realizes like, oh no, she's like a straight up criminal like me. So it's got to be a more reasonable fair market value in the criminal enterprise uh, split. 
and then he tries again to like screw her out of the space, the space egg. Yeah. Uh, but then when it, when she won't budge, he's fine with it. Like, cause he's he's just trying to get what he can under the assumption that he's more clever. He's cleverer right. than everyone else. But he'll like milk any resource you can find and when yeah. he realizes that, that Vash herself is kind of a, a resource, a resource yeah. he tries to partner up with her and yeah. like it seems like their partnership probably continues after the episode yeah. with her going to you know other planets and looking for stuff and they never bring her back but that would have been a great yeah. thing to do yeah totally yeah and it, I I like the the conflict within her of like I haven't been to Earth in 12 years should mm-hmm. I go back to Earth or should I just like keep on with my like archaeological ways she's like I'm done with a sleeping in tents right 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 but I like that she chooses not to at the end that she chooses to just go back to what she was doing yeah it's her nature yeah she's not there to change as a character yeah we gotta talk about Q's interaction with the rest of the crew because <laughs> there's just like a little bit of it yeah it's not there's much there's like one scene where, where Q is you know <laughs> he like gets into fisticuffs with, with Cisco which right. is so silly yeah but I, I love it's so enjoyable yeah. it's like really entertaining and I, I mean this show is supposed to be entertainment so right. I I like it you yeah. know it, this is I mean uh, like I said I'm back and forth as far as uh, my thoughts on it because it is Ridiculous, but yeah, Star Trek uh, is ridiculous entertainment. Yeah, yeah. There's a deleted scene that's kind of infamous from this episode where uh, Cisco is like right in Q's face. Um, it's like right before they fight, and he's like, "What do you want to do? What are you gonna do? Thrash me?" Uh, <laughs> right. And in a deleted scene, he says, "What are you gonna do? Ravage me?" <laughs> and then uh, John Delancey's like <laughs> starts laughing. He's like, "Oh, I'm sorry." And right. then. They're like right next to each other, and Cisco like grabs his shoulder and like, like <laughs> brushes it off. He's like, "I might." And it's really funny. Uh, it's really great. And see, that's the kind of thing that when people oh, you when, have that clip on your channel, John. That's awesome. When people do uh, uh, Q episodes, these are the kind of in jokes type things that they would reference. Like that deleted scene would be the kind of thing that if Q came back on Deep Space Nine, they would talk about because they've. Other times, like Q on Voyager, where he'll talk about sort of like meta things that exist outside of the knowledge of the show itself, you know, um, or even in in universe things where he shows up in this one and he's wearing the old style right. Starfleet uniform, and then he's like, mm, "I like your new tailor." Or right, and he's wearing the old style, and he's like crouched by the the docking port in the beginning, and no one notices that there's oh. a Starfleet dude it's there wearing the wrong uniform. Clearly, if not by this one, certainly by the next episode, that uh, the security on Deep Space Nine, despite what Odo says, is subpar at best. <laughs> that I feel like I could hijack Deep Space Nine at this point in time. We should. <laughs> that would be Doug a great... That's the next episode of Duck Space Nine. <laughs> we hijack. hijack Deep Space Nine. <laughs> just go tooling around the universe. Yeah. I mean, it's got... I love... It's got thrusters. I, I was just going to say that. I love when you get to see the thrusters. Like, we got to see the thrusters in this episode again. You don't see that very often where they try to move the ship. Yeah. Uh, and we don't get to see them put the ship... Or put... Not the ship. The station. They, we don't get to see them put the station back in its right place after it gets moved towards the wormhole, which is kind of a bummer. I kind of yeah. wanted to see that. <laughs> Um, yeah, but what what is ha- what is happening with the space egg? It's like oh, that's it's just techno, you know. <laughs> it, it's somehow the space egg. Picard his wants to solve this techno babble. <laughs> the space egg wants to go back through the wormhole, so the whole station moves towards it. I guess I don't know. And that it gives off something that turns the energy into gravitons. It makes very little sense. And then sometimes that punctures hole in the holes in the hole. Yeah. 
It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> the genetically engineered group escaped and made it to DS9 by just wearing uniforms. That episode. <laughs> that whole... There's two episodes with those people. Oh, what is that quote that Did the not like says? it. But by season four, that defense grid is really something. Yeah, they, they yeah. totally tighten their shit up. Here's another thing. is they, they make it clear here that they don't have any, like, fast ships also on Deep Space Nine, which they've repeatedly said is the hub of commerce in this area and is becoming a power in the in the sector. Still, they've only got runabouts. Right. I mean, they fix that, too. Later. In a yeah. massive way. Yeah. Which I can't wait for. <laughs> the, the Defiant is maybe... I mean, the Enterprise-D will always be my favorite ship, but I think the Defiant is my second favorite Star That's Trek fair. vessel. Pretty sure. I'll let you know if I change my mind. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I do love how all the shuttles are named after rivers, like the Ganges yeah. and the Yangtze, Kian. And, and they stop that, though, too. That uh, that goes away after a couple seasons. Yeah. But it's cool. Yeah, I like it. It's it's kind of like what people do when you work in like uh, tech, and then you have like a bunch of servers or at a, you know any kind of business where you've got like a rack of servers you give them like oh these are all sci-fi villains you know oh fun yeah that at makes, least that's been my experience that makes me any want kind of company I went to and then it gets to a point where a you're company. like oh this company is trying too hard they're like you know with their server names <laughs> there is a you, you can anyone that's been down that road will know what I'm talking about uh, this episode won extra points for just being enjoyable not for the quality I agree yeah. I think that this episode is more enjoyable than it has any right to be because it's, weirdly it's not fun. a good episode, but it is fun. Yeah, it's fun. I enjoy right. it. DC9 is setting itself up to be a dark Star Trek, and then they do this silly nonsense. Yeah. Oh, because it's the Danube class. That's right. Yeah, the Danube class of Runabout Ooh. are all named after rivers. Good call. Android version names are fun too. Like they're all foods: Kit Kat, Marshmallow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that is fun too. Oh, I like the uh, the aliens that came in to bid to to do the auction. Oh my auction. god! Yeah, that was great. This took me a while to figure out. Like, oh, they're not doing these. Aren't like uh, gamma quadrant because one of the things that Deep Space Nine does is they just gamma quadrant people are just like ah eh, weird face in a crazy costume, you know? Right. Uh, this was like oh they're doing this in Alpha Quadrant. Like let's just introduce in this. You don't need to have species from that you've seen before just like have a, a group of weird new characters yeah there's like that bird person the with bird the, person with the beak yeah and then the the inscrutable you obsequious toad <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he seemed like the guy like that had the breather thing on uh tng you know oh um that's who he, oh my god reminded me of the blue guy the that was oh a, like, what is his name don't remember uh, that Wesley went to the training, the Starfleet Academy test with. Ah, uh, Mordock, Mordock, yeah, boom, Good pull. yes. <laughs> and then, uh, what's the other guy who's not Mordock, but Mardock, but like Wesley thinks is Mordock, but oh, he's right, not, right, um, but it's like the same actor. <laughs> A Benzite. They're Benzites. Okay, yeah. Um, so this guy looked like sort of yeah, like a dried like up a, Benzite. A dried up Benzite. I also had to look. The guy that works in the Assayer's office, who was one of my favorites in this episode, one scene where he's just checking Vosh's shit into a yeah. storage locker. Also, he's a amazing. completely pointless scene. Okay, I pulled his. The actor's name is Van Epperson. Yeah. Oh, I looked him up too. I pulled it up because I intend to nominate him for uh, best performance because. His, like, minute on screen yeah. where he's just, like, the most hoity-toity... It's great. Like, 
one item, yeah. you know? <laughs> but I, then the space egg really impresses him. I've never seen anything like it before. But also low-key impressed. Yeah, it's perfect. totally. It's interesting, because I was watching this whole thing, and I so wanted to pick uh, whoever played Vosh. Jennifer Hetrick, yeah. Yeah, but then I, that that dude with that one scene, he took something that, if you if you write those lines out, you can see that's just like, oh, this is just like, blah, 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 doing a thing. He took a flat nothing uh-huh. set of lines and really turned it into a character. It's yep. pretty impressive. It's really impressive. He like really steals the whole episode yep. in one tiny little scene. Yeah, just the Same assay- in the next episode, the, the Arbiter episode. completely yes, steals the episode. 100%. Holy shit, she is remarkable. <laughs> we'll talk about her soon, but... Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that scene where Vosh is, like, putting all of her stuff in the security Which deposit box. Also has no... That's, like, f- straight-up padding. Because they've 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 done the... They put a gun on the table and then just, like, walked away from it. Yeah. I kept thinking, like, there's going to be some sort of heist. They're going to have to break in. Because they, they, they spend time talking about all the levels of security. Levels of security. So I thought, oh, this is going to end with them having to rescue the glowing space pancake from... The, the lockers but right. they don't they just are like okay see you later it's like character development for the space egg <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just to establish that people think it's pretty I guess yeah I don't know but it's so obvious by the end of the episode what is causing the problem it's like (laughs) the show is all written to coalesce in that moment it's like as soon as Quark has the bidding up to a million yeah from Q you know he's like (laughs) he's not good for it he's not good for it no I mean I guess he's more good for it than other people because he can fabricate it out of nothing right but yeah it's it's just obvious that the crew is going to come down and steal it it's so obvious yeah it's but they handle it well yeah it's again it's it, it, this has a lot of the like classic flaws of Star Trek, but also is still a thoroughly enjoyable regular yeah. Star Trek episode. And I have to be totally honest and say that the moment where the space egg hatches and turns into a creature that then goes back to the wormhole, I did not see it coming, yeah. and I was a little bit moved by it. Oh, nice. I was, I was like, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> see, It's I, a creature. It's a space egg creature. That's so cool. I didn't see it coming, and I like laugh, gasped out loud. The first time I saw it. And I've seen this episode now, like, a couple of times, and I still forget, like, oh, right, it's the glowing space pancake. Right, I forgot. I forgot. This time, I watched it, and I was ready for it to, like, oh, the thing to explode. And then it's like, boop! Yeah. It's like, what the fuck? What the f- Well, okay, we're already at 12 space mushrooms, so... I love it. Why not? Yeah, yeah. I I really enjoy it. I also love that it kind of harkens back to Farpoint and to Tin Man a little bit. I I like these creatures that exist in space. I love the idea... Space Manta Ray! Yeah, Yeah, totally. (laughs) I love Uh, the idea of creatures in space that just live I love it. Yeah, I want to see a creature... That follows a Starfleet vessel that is in Starfleet. <laughs> oh, don't they do that not in Voyager the where ship. they have the one that's like nursing? Or is that in TNG? Where they have the spaceship. I mean, one that like goes to Starfleet Academy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like it's a, a space, giant space, a space man with like a massive, with a massive com- combat. <laughs> Boop, boop. Where are you? I'm in space. I'm in space. I'm always in space. But and he has like, but you can understand him through the Universal Translator, and he's just like an obnoxious teenager. Like, God damn it, I'm in space. It's Star Trek. You don't even need to explain it. It just speaks English. It works, and everyone's fine with it. I think it works. Yeah, I really want that. Um, I love that moment of this episode. I yeah, uh, this episode is heartwarming and fun. Yeah, and but. 
But I do think that it damages Deep Space Nine as a show. Absolutely. I, I think that it is... It has no purpose. It doesn't right. belong. It doesn't belong. I think they went way out of their way when they premiered Deep, uh, Next Generation to not lean on the original series and right. to like stand on their own two feet right. and really like establish character and mm-hmm. establish the show by itself. And I feel like that's the biggest flaw in season one of DS9 yep. is that they really lean on what came before. Yeah. They, they have to these... detriment. Yeah, they have ridiculous callbacks to TNG that don't need to be there. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, I feel like they do this throughout the rest of Star Trek until you get to Discovery. Which does it the right way. No, nope, And it just no, tries to establish no. itself. Star Trek just show. throws away the cannon and just does whatever the fuck they want. You can't have it both ways, Jesse. Yeah, heartwarming except abusive relationship. That's true. It, yeah, 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 yeah. That's so much of, like, early Star Trek right. is that. It's like, well, if you just ignore the gross misogyny, it's a decent right. episode. Star Trek tries to be a social justice warrior and gets it right a lot but they really drop the ball on on uh, feminism sometimes yeah and then when you start to drill in by horny dudes yeah you get when you get into the specifics of the relationships you can see like oh some of these people just aren't good at at uh, portraying this or it's this it's like the inherent problem with a lot of romantic comedies where you as you get older or hopefully you become more aware you realize that this kind of behavior is just straight out creepy but that yeah. we as a culture continually churn it out as charming, you know? Right. Yeah, it's not... It can be charming for a male character to pine after a female character to, like, have love at first sight and the, right. and the female character doesn't necessarily return that. Right. And I, they almost do that with Julian towards Jadzia, but it's... But, but yeah. it's it's undercut by him hitting on everyone because then it yes. just... It doesn't feel like it's individual to Jadzia. It's just like... He's not interested in her because of who she is. He's interested in her because he likes hooking up with with ladies who are pretty. Well, and and he doesn't respect boundaries. They they, they make that clear. Again, I will go back to it, is that the scene with him and Vosh is just a massive Federation HR violation proof right right there. If if Vosh wanted to, you know, that could have been a big deal. Right. Um, But yeah, I mean... But see, now Vosh strikes me as someone who has decided, like, hey, I'm used to this fucking weird, creepy male energy I get. I am just going to use this to my advantage, you know? Right. Yeah, I feel like the reason to... A a reason to bring Q in is to compare and contrast him with Captain Picard. Uh, Yeah. Which they try to do a little bit in this episode, but I feel like uh, all they really do is prove that that Cisco has a temper issue. Yeah. And both of these episodes deal with that, Mm -hmm. where... When you know, in the next episode, when Dax refuses to defend herself, right? Like Cisco physically assaults the wall. Yeah, like if he you gets were a so man, mad, he punch punches you. the wall. Yeah. yeah, if you were a man, I'd punch you. Yeah. yeah, and you know what they say about wall punchers? What do they say? Oh, you're just you're supposed to break up with somebody if they're a wall puncher. Oh, because they will punch you. Yeah, I I have only like punched a wall in anger like twice in my one time I punch I slammed Andy? a window in anger when I was a teenager Wall puncher. and I, I broke the window oh teenager you're fine I was like trying to like close a window and I couldn't do it I'm like fuck and I broke it accidentally yeah yeah you weren't like mad at a person and then hit the wall because no, you I was punch them well I was I was really angry I, I was in trouble for something that I didn't think was fair and I was mad <laughs> um yeah but, but yeah I, it's interesting that Q says you know you are easier to provoke than Picard yeah and I the things that make Cisco solid and a good Commander are not necessarily on display right. in, the, in these episodes this week. Not like, this week, no. Yeah, he seems like a bad commander this week. He's like quick to anger, mm-hmm. and he's also very rash with his decisions. 
like what he does that's good is that when he makes a decision, he just like follows it blindly and goes right. for it. But like when people are throwing out ideas on the bridge, he's like, "We could try this." He's like, "Do it. It's our only choice." Yeah. 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 Is it? He doesn't. I mean, I've like, heard one choice. Yeah, he doesn't even stop to consult with anyone else. Yeah. You know, he just <laughs> he doesn't. And I wonder if he knows if it's the right thing to do or if he's just guessing because the person tells him it's the right thing to do. Right. So I feel like bringing Q in, comparing him to Picard, he kind of comes up wanting a little bit. Yeah. And I think that because the characters are not as well fleshed out, like Q is, and, and Vash are like almost more well fleshed out characters than the crew in this episode. Yeah, yeah. I, it makes it feel like... Well, the, because they've been fleshed out before. Right, totally. It makes it feel like, like why does this show exist? <laughs> like, why do, why did we spin off this show? Right. Uh, why did we spin off uh, Next Generation into Deep Space Nine? We could have kept why Next Generation. Why is Deep Space Nine? You know, why is Deep Space why Nine? Why is Deep Space Nine? And I, the answer Close. in this episode is because of Next Generation, like not because <laughs> of anything that this show has to do on its own. Right, 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 right. You think Cisco is a more masculine type of man captain than Picard? Hundred percent. Interesting. No, that's you think true. so too? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. More I think it's very. See, I think that's another thing about the characterization of Cisco is intentionally that where Picard was the uh, flip of someone like Kirk, and sure. that was a very specific, you know, because Kirk is, you know, honestly a liar. Every all of his logs are falsified. Most of it is just him self-aggrandizing. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm going around and I'm fucking all these space ladies and I'm punching aliens and I'm beaming down to the planet and I might as well be pushing my own ship out of orbit, whatever. Right. And then Picard is like, oh, you know what? Now that we think about it, probably in the future they'd have someone who is a little more reasonable, less quick with the fisticuffs and the zipping of his pants off. You know, Picard was made to be, uh, um, I guess you would say, a more enlightened version of a starship captain but a lot of the pushback against him was that like and you still see arguments like this like Picard is weak Picard is this and that you know Kirk is a take action man and so I think Cisco is an intentional like okay let's kind of split the difference you know how about somebody that is you know a a, a, a has the machismo and sort of a, a, a physicality in a in a very classic uh, maleness of our culture hmm. but still like a thoughtful person not a you know not a, a Lothario not a Lothario because he's a, not that at all yeah and Kirk is a yeah it's I mean it's, it's a product of his time that was what sure. that was what male heroes were in the 60s and now I think it's laughable I mean it's hard yeah. to not laugh at what Kirk does uh, yeah, watching the, it now the original series has not aged gracefully at this yeah, point we're now like TNG has problems when you watch some of their episodes Deep Space Nine does but there's but nothing they've aged gracefully in, in right. certain ways Picard still is like yeah okay if we were on a spaceship and meeting these aliens he's probably somebody who I'd want to have in charge and Cisco, it's like yeah okay Cisco seems like the kind of person the Federation would want to be doing this job. Kirk is like, no, they would definitely not be putting people like that in charge of fucking spaceships. Right. Yeah, I I struggle a little bit with uh, with Cisco and and these episodes because he is like at his core, he's a family man and he like wants to protect his his kid. Uh, and there's something like really noble about Cisco and and thoughtful. I think thoughtful is a good word for yeah. him. But yeah, his anger issues. Um, seem to cloud his judgment a little bit, and yeah. especially in these two episodes. Yes, and it it makes you question his command decisions for me just a little bit. Yeah, I think we get to get more into that with Cisco as time goes by because he does switch from being this kind of angry firebrand 
to the more religious, you know, right. uh, when he gets more into the being the emissary. And, and when he shaves his head. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it, he has this, like, shift. cold, cool, like, uh, command style later. Like, when we get into more war stuff yeah. in the show, he's much more much more a man that you'd be comfortable, f- for me, be comfortable following. But it's it's interesting. It takes him... I mean, he's a, he's a commander. He's not a captain yet. He's not quite there yeah. yet. And I actually think that that's kind of cool to to have this leader need some growth as yeah. a leader. And he gets there, for sure. I mean, he becomes amazing later on. Ashen, nice, uh, Ashen Knight makes a good point about the what comes later with the Eddington, mm. where he... he uh, I love that arc. I yeah, love when, that when arc. They show Cisco getting obsessed with, you know capturing this guy right. no matter what and th- but that I don't think is a defining part of Cisco I think that's more of like let's highlight one of his flaws in a big way but it's not right. his day to day operation uh, he's an excellent combat officer not so good administrator I think that's true I think that's true Italki. I think that yeah. when he's in a combat situation the, his uh, his ability to just make a decision and to follow it right. uh, is so important and I think that he makes faster decisions than Picard does yeah I'm not sure if they're as as weighed out. I don't know if he's thought them through as well, but he seems to be very instinctual and make quick decisions and then just go. Yeah. It's which is the, interesting. It's something that they don't address in Deep Space Nine ever, and I feel like it's a miss it's a it's a shortcoming, but you just you wave it away, which is why would they get this guy or any captain from there or commander from their system to run the space mall. This would just 100% be an administrative job. There's people who probably go to the academy space mall management classes and have all of this shit locked down, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. This can't be anything. How did he get He has nothing job? on his resume that looks like, yes, I can run a, a, a space mall parking lot, whatever totally. you want to call Deep Space Nine. Hey, what's up, Quiet the Snapper? Welcome. And clearly they have other stations. Although, wait, but he was working on Utopia Planitia for a couple years, so maybe he was an administrator there. Was he? Oh. I'm not sure, though. They, they don't really say what his job was Time there. to delve into care, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love I love Cisco as a character, and I just... I'm, f- I'm feeling like a lot of the characters are, are a little bit poorly drawn out in first season. I feel like Cisco mm. more so than some of the others. You're saying that... The first seasons of Star Trek shows tend to be a little weaker than what comes later. Yeah, I def I, I, I can't wait till so. Discovery is your favorite Star Trek. I hope that that's true. <laughs> I would love that. Amanda asked, uh, "Are there a lot of space malls?" There's at least nine. Yeah, there's at least nine. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, no yeah, Jake. Jake no Jake in either episode. It's yeah, weird. no Jake. And then, oh, O'Brien was in this one. It's the next one where they O'Brien just fucks off. Right. Oh yeah. Um, he developed all. The anti-Borg ships, that's right. Oh, that's what he was doing at Utopia Planitia, isn't isn't it? Oh. Working on anti-Borg technology. Makes sense, he's pissed at the Borg. Yeah. Well, should we get into our voting for this episode? Yeah. I gotta... I forgot to open this up. Okay. Let me look at my notes to see if I get other complaints about it. Cool. Alright, I'm pulling up our spreadsheet. Oh, and I gotta pull up the uh, the poll. Strawpole.com. Okay, so we're going to start with the rating. So, 1 to 10. Oh, <laughs> the other thing I wrote down is they have a scene of, of Vosh where it is literally 
one, two, three men in a row who all want something from her, two, explicitly to get into her pants, one, just to control her life, where it's the Bashir, Quark, and Q all come to her quarters one after the other. Oh, that's right. And that scene is really interesting because it's, like, in her quarters for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's actually a well-written scene where they kind of get it. They get a lot, a lot of bang for their buck. And the banter between Q and Vosh there is the one that made me think of kind of like a old school romantic comedy dynamic. Yeah. And why it's platonic and not a, a space wizard sex relationship. Yeah, I think that's... Which we know is just this. What's, what's happening there? That's when... Was that's, that two penises touching? No, that's how Qs have sex. But with their fingers? Do, do you not watch Voyager? Oh, I blocked it from my memory. <laughs> well, we'll get to that eventually, too. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, I'm setting up our thing here, q oh, What and kind of torture would that Dex. be for you, where you have to watch two episodes of Voyager, and then we'd have to talk about them? Not as much torture if I had to rewatch season one of Discovery. Ooh, we'll get there. Let's wait till there's two seasons, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Voyager would be fun because I would just switch and just try to defend every episode of Voyager. <laughs> Voyager, I like a lot of Voyager, but like it's very well hated among. Overall, it's my least favorite Star eh, Trek, besides Discovery, which is my <laughs> least favorite. Uh, his job to, was to make sure the Bajorans were ready to join the Federation. Totally, yeah, um, yeah. Discovery killed the good characters already. It's gross. It's horrible. <laughs> okay, guys, here is our poll. That's not the poll. What the <laughs> fuck? What is that? What did I just copy accidentally? Oh, that was like fixing the poll. Okay. Oh. <laughs> well, let me delete that comment. Okay, there's our poll. Uh, so we're rating this 1 to 10. <laughs> Doug, what do you say? Oh, boy, oh, boy. I'm going to give it, I think, like a six and a half. Six, six bars, five strips. Five strips? Yeah. It's tough. I want to give it more because I really like Vash. I love the characterization. It's You really have to dig deep, I think, to find well-done female characters in a lot of Star Trek. So having a recurring semi, not recurring, but a repeat character come back is great, but ultimately, it, like you were saying, it just feels like it doesn't belong. And, um... Yeah, the the shoehorning cue into the Deep Space Nine stuff, uh, the kind of... The gross treatment that uh, uh, Vash gets and the grossness of Bashir, all those things make it hard for me to, to to like it more than I than I would want to. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's tough because, like, when I think back on this episode, I'm like, yeah, it wasn't very good. But as I'm watching it, right. I'm enjoying it. It's yeah. like television that I like watching. It's a, so it's, it's, it's tough because I gotta I gotta recognize that. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like as an episode itself, it's like a five. Right, right. Uh, yeah. But but because I enjoy it so much. I gotta give it more. And I love the the birthing of the space creature at the end. It's a very special moment. I wish that there'd been more wonder on the faces of the people watching, because that's like a beautiful, wonderful moment. But fuck, uh, what do I give it? What do I give it? You gave it a 6.5? Yeah, that's a t- and I don't know, man. I feel like I'm also pulling that number out of my ass. Yeah, I, I'm feeling like 6 or 6.5 six is, about, is about right. Yeah. Um, let's see, I gave... The one with Ibudan's clone of five. Oh, you're looking back? I can't look back at my numbers. I just have to go blindly forward. I gave Babel a 6.5. See, I feel I s- like Babel, I think, is slightly better than this episode. Mm. If I start looking back, I will just renegotiate all of my <laughs> all of my votes. I'm going to give this one a six. All I'm right. going to give it a six. I think this is a lot going against it, but a good amount of stuff going for it. Yeah. 
Let's see what chat says. Wow, so far chat has given this an 8. Guys, what? click that link and vote. We got one vote so far. <laughs> uh, click that link. 8 it is. Amanda loves it. I think... No, that can't have been Amanda. Amanda's not wild about this episode. We need at least one more vote, you guys. <laughs> Someone drag that average down. Click that link in chat. Do you have to wait for that one to finish before you can make the next one? Uh, no. We'll give them I'm gonna a start chance. Tonight. Yeah, so give them a chance to click that link, vote. vote on what you give this episode, I'll get the next one started. So, we need to nominate people for best... Or for favorite character. Favorite character. Who do we nominate for favorite character? Okay, I gotta put in Vosh, yeah. and I gotta put in Q. Yeah. I think that um, we need to put in the the dude, the, the assayer's office. Yeah. What is that character's name? I would just say the assayer. Um, I actually left this up. Oh, so you could look it up. A Bajoran clerk in, star- in charge of the assay. Uh, it's literally called Bajoran clerk. Bajoran clerk. <laughs> okay, let's put Bajoran clerk on here. Um... I'm going to put Cisco on here for favorite character. Cisco. I'm going to put Quark on here. Yeah, Quark had some stuff going on. That's good. If anyone else wants to nominate, they can. See, Amanda gave Oh, Amanda get a, did an eight. Okay. Yeah. Okay, Cisco, we nominated. Great. So that was Amanda's vote. Yeah. Well, I feel... Okay, there we go. Seven. Okay. So, so we got two eights and a seven. So wait, what's the math? Doug's our math man. Math man. Math man. <laughs> I think this is good. Favorite character, we have one, two, three, four, five. 7.6 comes out. Average. 7.6, nice. All right, well done, chat. You did good. I'm proud of you. Everyone get space cookies. <laughs> I have no idea how our chat economy works. I feel like space cookies is good. Can we bribe people to vote? You can't vote for some reason. Oh, no. Okay, well, try this one. Try this one, Midwest. So this poll is for favorite character. Favorite character in this episode? What do you think? No, you first. I'm still thinking. Me first? Okay. So for me, it's between the clerk and Quark. Mm. Because I really... I really enjoy what Quark does in this episode. And I'm actually having a hard time distinguishing favorite character and best performance in yeah, this me episode. Too. Me too. Because, That's what I've been mulling. Yeah, because favorite character... Best performance. Best okay, performance, like I've Quark's moment where he like touches his ear, like that. Is su- it's such a good acting choice. Yeah, it's yeah. like a really brilliant moment. Yeah. Um, but that clerk just like takes nothing and makes so much out so of that's, it. So that's what I've now. That's uh, Vash is my favorite character, but the oh. guy is the my favorite performer because the character of the assayer isn't really anything. But the actor, the choices that he makes is what makes that a great huh. scene. So that's why he gets the performance. Vosh is a Vosh is a great the the actor playing Vosh is fantastic as well. Yeah. Uh, but she doesn't bring that much. Uh, she doesn't take like dead material and bring it to life. She's actually sure. got a pretty good part. Where it would be almost like it would be hers to lose in the sense of. Uh, you could only fuck that up because it's pretty decent for women in Star Trek, you know. Yeah. But the character, I love the Va- I love Vosh. And if it was, if the Assayer wasn't in here and didn't do such a good job breathing life into dead embers, then uh, I would have given her both. Yeah, Vosh is a really great character for me in this episode because of the awkward way in which she's used to shoehorn in Q. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't leave this episode wanting more Vosh. You uh, know, I do. Yeah, I mean, Where, I, where's her and her big bag going next? <laughs> like, I always wanted more Vosh after her stuff with Picard. I would watch a Vosh Wait, series. Wait, you can't, you can't vote on the poll? Why not? 
That's the second person who says they can't vote. Hmm. Well, some people have voted. Hmm. Why can't you vote on the poll? Try again. Here. It's not you. It's not me? Oh! Voting worked for you, okay. Okay. Well, man is voting for Vosh. It's because you're on the same Chromecast, okay. Oh, wait, Midwest Tempest is, is that Andy? I forgot that, if that's true. Well, in that case, I can vote for you guys because I'm not voting, so. What do you mean you're not? Oh, right, we don't put our votes in here. Yeah, so. Amanda, I can vote for you. So, Amanda, you said Vosh? Yes. Okay. So that's a vote for Vosh for favorite character. Uh, so yeah, right, oh my god, we have a four-way tie. <laughs> we have a four-way tie. We need another vote, you guys. Um, okay. If, if someone I, else doesn't vote, do? we're going to just write everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll just write everyone. <laughs> chat. Who did the chat choose? Everyone. everyone. That's the placeholder. And this is tough. From favorite character and best performance. Yeah. Um, it's interesting for an episode that's not that well rated by us. We're struggling... Yeah. It's so I I think that I have to go with my favorite character I think is the Bajoran clerk. Yeah. <laughs> because he's fucking hilarious. Yep. And I would I want him to be back in every episode. Yeah. I want him to have to <laughs> weigh the value of items See, in every episode. Okay, I'm going Bajoran clerk. See, this is the, Deep Space 9 could have had more Vosh going to the Gamma Quadrant. Rating ancient cultures for their uh, precious valuables, and then checking them into the Assayer's office, and I would watch the shit out of that show. Yeah, absolutely. That would be a great show. <laughs> uh, okay, Atalki, did you vote in the... Oh, you must not have voted, because then we should have two for Vash. View results. We're still at a four-way tie. Atalki... You did not vote, but you're voting for Vosh. Okay, okay. Yeah. that that makes Vosh the winner. Yay, Vosh! Vosh, Vosh, Vosh. Okay. Is this me actually in accordance with the... Okay, now we gotta go best... Oh, wait, yeah, yeah, you're, uh... You're right there with him. Hey! Okay, now we're going for best performance. This also helps that I didn't, like, nominate an inanimate object or something. <laughs> best performance, I am nominating the space whale. <laughs> the space manta ray. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm best performance. I I have to nominate Bajoran clerk. Right. I have to nominate Quark. Right. But let's put Vosh and Q in there. Q, yeah. Anyone else for best performance, you guys? I don't think who else stood out. I mean, Cisco, maybe. Maybe, yeah. He's it was a very light Cisco episode. But watching him punch Q is very satisfying. Yeah. <laughs> Best performance. I'm gonna put Bashir in here just to see if anyone's wrong. <laughs> I do wanna ban people, so Yeah, we'll ban anyone who votes for Bashir. 
No, don't say that because that's just going to make people vote for I him. know, I'm totally kidding. Can we hand out our space okay. cookies when people vote? There's the poll. This, can we bribe people to vote? Like, I, I now want to change our, our currency to space cookies because that's really good. I forget what they're called. Uh, power crystals. Can we bribe people with power crystals to vote? Oh, sure. <laughs> or just can we reward people? Like, hey, if you vote, you get power crystals? Uh, sure. Okay. I don't know how the I, again I've said it a hundred times I don't know how the economy works I don't know how money it's works it's fine it doesn't matter <laughs> it's all made up it's all made up okay just like the real economy okay <laughs> Amanda uh, one vote for the clerk from Amanda I just want to help encourage people to uh, vote okay what do we think best performance I, you already said Van Epperson that's yeah, that's the, the clerk, clerk. yeah um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Armin Shimmerman with this on this one. Yeah, which is like Quark. His ear touching. His ear touching is so good. His like unbridled greed is <laughs> kind of incredible. Gold pressed latinum cookies. There you go. <laughs> That's what it should be. Yeah, Quark is nailing it in this episode. Like he's got that character already. Yeah, he's one of the. Hey, Timayon. We're I- voting for the best uh, performance in Qless, and there's a link that you can click right there if you want to vote. Aeon is saying it's, it's, it's Renee. Renee every time. Aubergine's. Well, unfortunately, Aubergine. he's not on this list. He didn't really... He wasn't really in this episode much, but he's in the next one a ton. Yeah, enough to, to get voted on for sure. Well, we got Bajoran Clerk. Yeah. That, I, I see one vote. No, here we go. A vote for Q also. Damn it, now we're tied. <laughs> now we need the tiebreaker. All right, guys. For reasons. Who wants to be our tiebreaker? <laughs> John gives good hugs. Which John? John Delancey? Oh. I know you've met a bunch of these dudes. That <laughs> I saw pictures of you with Tom Hiddleston. At cons and stuff. Clerk and Q. Clerk and Q. Who wants to be our tiebreaker? I will. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. and Doug both voted clerk. Amanda, we... Did Andy vote? Yeah, I saw your Hiddleston picture. Where was that? And we would have a three-way tie if we let you vote for Yeah, Odo. we'd have a three-way tie. We'd be more fucked. Oh, unless you're voting for Q instead of Odo, but we'd still be at a tie. I'm surprised that Vash didn't get any votes. Yeah. All right, fine. All Chat right. can't make up its mind. Chat can't make up its mind. Well, let's just say the winner is uh, Bajoran Q. <laughs> <laughs> if we don't have a winner, we have to combine the characters a into a made-up name. Okay. Ooh, I wonder if when they combine together, they have the memory and personality of each of them, or if they meld together into a new thing. <laughs> Well, we will discuss we'll that discuss this in great detail <laughs> after the break. All right, y'all. Do you like um, my forced tie-in? We'll be back in a couple minutes. Don't go anywhere. Hit that like button if you haven't already. Thank you all so much for hanging with us. This is Space a cookies. blast, as always. Uh, we'll be back in a few. <laughs> Wee! Okay, now we're off screen, and now I push this button. Oh, I'm so bad about that. Like, as soon as I say the word break, I'm out of my You're brain. like, I'm on break. <laughs> Do we need to make Command Dabo a real thing in this chat? I love that. I also like Al Marine. 
know. Oh, Alamorane, that's coming up next week. Yeah, I'm so excited. I yeah. That's we can't. Be the biggest pile of dog shit. We can't talk about it now because I'll go on and on for oh, hours. We have to. It's too big of a. We have to hold on to it. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Oh man. Oh yeah. I need to get those. Uh, pull up those memes. Oh yeah. I'll do that now. I got us going live, by the way. Oh, okay. Hi everyone. What am I doing? Uh, pulling up those memes. Oh my god, I love this one. <laughs> this one's so good. Cisco, yeah. Yeah. I was I was on the fence about it because it's almost like it was almost too easy. Yeah. But But sometimes easy is good. Yeah. This is just Oh my god. Being argumentative about canon. That's really funny. Which, uh, how can I, I haven't seen this one yet. Yeah, you have. That's the host. Oh, I mean this meme. Oh, 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 I see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Wait, let's just do these now. I'm going to pull okay. it up. And if you want to see these and more like it, follow us on Instagram. So yes, to start with that one. Okay. <laughs> when you're a space wizard, but you're not sorry because he straight up asked for it. Yeah. <laughs> this is the face you make. <laughs> Which is great. I mean, he does it. It's, it's This captures it well, but not quite well enough because he does it as like a, a double. <laughs> it's such a good face you that he makes. You punched me. It's so good. You literally asked me to punch you. It's so good. Yeah. Okay. And then next... Next, this is a great introduction to the episode. Yes. This sums up my feelings about this episode. I went right on your head. I didn't even put it there. <laughs> when did this become triller than this? <laughs> this yeah, is this is referring to the episode of Next Generation where we meet the Trill. Host, which is kind of a garbage episode. Yeah, it is a garbage... I did not... Yeah, yeah. yeah, I talked about that on my podcast and kind yeah. of like went went off on it a little bit. Yeah, that's fair. We, we it frustrates me. It'll come up because I'll start. I'll, I will definitely lean heavily on the host for here. Yeah, of the, I, yeah, the changes to the trill. All right, yeah. we're getting into it. For anyone who doesn't remember the in the host, there's this guy that comes on the Enterprise in Next Generation. Odon, the host is dying and. But before he's dying, he falls in love with Crusher. Mm -hmm. So um, they put the Trill into a new host, which happens to be Commander Riker. And then Riker and and Crusher have a relationship with this host. But in this episode, they basically say that... That doesn't happen. That Riker is gone. That there's no Riker. It's just the Trill. Just Odon. Yeah. And then in the end, the the Trill ends up going into a female Trill. And Crusher's like, I'm out. Forget it, right. And it kind of makes me mad. Because I'm like, if you really love this person, why would it matter to you that it's a woman? Yeah. And it's... I did just watch that in preparation for watching this one uh, yeah and she specifically says something like maybe at some point in the future <laughs> we'll be able to get past these parochial ideals it's like oh just right. do it now what are you doing you it's, st- it's very frustrating it kind of sets the show back show. as far as its acceptance of you know yeah like queer identities and stuff yeah can I scoot you back a little bit yeah We're, we've lost your head on the top of the screen and it oh, I probably sad. moved it when I was trying to get out of here <laughs> I'm very clumsy in my physical meat space Meat space? Meat space. I like that. Mm. Okay, well, let's get into uh, Dax. Dax. Season 1, Episode 7 yep. of Dax Deep Space Nine. kidnapped by people who want Jedzia Dax to go on trial for a crime that the her previous host, its previous host, Curzon Dax, may or may not have committed on right. another planet. And then the episode is split between uh, Space Court... And Odo lightly investigating a 30-year-old murder. Right. 
And I feel like this is one of the first times where Odo's character is used properly. Yes, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He is a detective. Right. He's basically like space mall Batman. <laughs> and he would be he would be patrolling the mean streets of the space mall. <laughs> He'd be such a good Batman. Slow down, you kids. Can you imagine Odo as Batman? Don't make me throw a shifterang at you. <laughs> a shifterang! It's really just part of the It's hand. just a piece of Odo! Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Odo man. <laughs> but he's basically Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Highlight of beginning of episode, Bashir knocking himself out while trying to rescue Dax. Oh, okay, yeah. let's talk about the beginning of this episode. Because this episode is it's again, terrible. Uh, two episodes in a row, it starts with Dr. Bashir at Quark's making goo-goo eyes at a woman that he's trying to sleep with. Yes. Two episodes in a row. Yeah. And, but it's, it's this is the third woman in two episodes that Bashir <laughs> right. has tried to, to sleep with. And the, 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 the another boundary crossing... Uh, this time not a professional boundary like he did with Vosh, but an explicit boundary set up by Dax when they're talking and she's not paying attention. She's reading some some science stuff. And then he's like, ooh, I'd really like to spend some time with you. How about we spend some time together? She's like, no. And then she's like, I'm going to leave. And he's like, let me walk you to your quarters. And she's like, no, I'm fine. And then she walks and then he says, ooh, but maybe I will do exactly what you told me not to do anyways. And yeah. follows her. Like, come on. And did you think if a handful of peanuts told Dr. Bashir no that he'd listen? Because <laughs> I doubt it. Yeah, I mean, she says no, and he's like, well, maybe that's a maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and he follows her back to her quarters. And he- then he makes a, a ridiculous mistake, which is... He sees people kidnapping his friend on a space station, right. and he does not open his comm badge right. to, like, call ops. Right. He just tries to tackle somebody. Charges in with a classic the Kirk classic, double yes. fister. The Starfleet double Ooh. fister. And then, yeah, knocks himself out on the bulkhead. Yeah, he knocks himself out. Totally. He, yeah. like, runs. And, and because of that, these people almost get away with Dax. Like, right. he should have called ops. He should call Cisco. He should call all fucking security. Ca- all kinds of things should have been Like, immediately, yeah. security alert on whatever deck he's on. He does right. everything wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have to say that for where this episode is going, as far as, like, these people trying to extradite Dax, this is a really fun way to start the episode. Oh, uh, the chase? Basically, this this starts a chase, which is a great... Yeah. It's I like the cold open leads into this chase and the whole chase sequence of them trying to get these assholes and using the space station like yeah well we can shut this down and we can put this up and they're like yeah but they've got a thing let them get past that it's great it seems it's like awesome. it would be terrible but they do it's, it's paced so fun. really well yeah yeah and they the best part about it is that there's a couple things that kind of snagged my logic button in my brain. Sure. I'm like, this makes sense. They addressed all of them in the episode. They do, right. The one thing is, I f- so once again, I feel like transporters could magically be used to solve this problem. Sure. Because they make it like, we can't transport people when they don't have comm badges, but they totally transport people without comm badges all the time. Well, I think they can transport them, but they can't track them. I think that they, they don't know... Like if they could, they could have like two bio signatures in one room. Right. They could transport both those people up. That's why Kira calls that dude before she beams him up because she knows there's someone there. She wants right. to make sure it's him. Well, like okay. But once once like 
Dax is taken and yes. she's like among all the, the crowd on Space Mall like they can't beam her anymore <laughs> right but there is a point where they isolate them in one section because they're like oh right. they're going right, here right, 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 oh right. put up this force field here right. okay they're trapped in this box that they we, could definitely we, beam them out let's just beam point. every what if there's no one in there who cares just beam right. every what if it's what if it's a random person who cares beam and, them all to ops because uh, that's them the out, safest place to beam people hold them in in the, beam them straight to jail. <laughs> yeah, beam them to jail. Hold the but you could like beam them and hold them in the field, like hold them in yeah. the buffer, the transporter buffer for a second. D Space Nine needs a button in ops that is just beam to jail. Yes, That's, totally. <laughs> but anyways, but do that, not pass go. <laughs> that aside, we've do already not mentioned collect two hundred bars of gold press. D Space Nine is very blind to their transporters. Right, but that. It was still an exciting, and like you said, they do bring up all of these. What if we do this? Well, they have a thing against that. What if we do this? They have a thing against that. Right. It's yeah. Techno babble solved really rapid fire. Yeah. There was two things specifically that I noticed. Um, I don't remember what the second one was. One of them was that, like the when they were making their escape and they opened up the conduits and like disable the uh, the force fields. Yes. Like, they know how to do that. I'm like, how do they know how to do that? Right. But then later in the episode, they specifically say this is how they knew how to do that because they're in cahoots with the Cardassians, Cardassians and yes. that annoys the Bajorans. Yes. In that great moment with Kira where she's like, and it annoys us. Yeah, this is a good example of, of how you can have the tight writing where the, the problems all kind of flow naturally and the solutions flow naturally. Yeah, you know? totally. Yeah, this the techno babble is all backed up by something else that happens mm-hmm. in the episode in this episode, which I which is a change that's really nice to see because I feel like oftentimes they're just like put the thing in the thing and then do this and, and then that happens. I'm like just beam them out, yeah. you know. Uh, <laughs> and this they could have totally said I can't get a lock on them. That's all right. you have to do. Anytime there's a problem, someone has to go, I can't get a lock on them. Boom, we're back into yeah. solving it however you want to solve it. Yeah, I think this is actually a really well-written episode in a couple of ways. Yeah. Uh, like, towards the end of the episode, when you find out that the 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 guy who was, like, the military leader was the guy who sold out his own people. Right, right. That piece of information, like, clicks into place everything else that happens. It all makes sense. And it all works. Yep. Yep. And I uh, I went back and rewatched most of this episode a second time after that. And, like, it, it, it all tracks. Like, it all makes sense. Yeah, yeah I'm having like, trouble locking other signals. Exactly. Right. That's all you yeah. need. <laughs> That's all you need to do. And the reverse of that is in Voyager when uh, Bellata gets a skeletal lock on people. <laughs> it's one of my favorite Star Trek. They use it just that one time. A skeletal lock? I don't even remember that. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to it when we watch Voyager. Oh, God. <laughs> um, yeah, so I love the whole chase in the beginning. I think yeah. they do a... Oh, that's something else that I was... The, one, the other thing that I was thinking is that, like, they needed an action beat in the beginning, and they kind of fabricate one. Yes. But then I was thinking to myself, like, why didn't they just ask Cisco? Just right. ask Cisco to take her. Right. That's the other thing that was driving me crazy. Right. But then they specifically, specifically said, I think I know why you didn't ask me, right, right as I was thinking that to myself. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yep. what is it? This is. But then the answer was great, because you don't have an extradition treaty with Bajor. Right. It's... Uh, the, it, it flows. It's a puzzle that's put together yep. with logical pieces. Yeah. There's like a, a couple of pieces missing early that get filled in, and then there's the, the the huge thing that is the conclusion of the episode that then fills in the rest. And it yeah. is well structured. And it works. It's yeah. well it's well put together. It's like thoughtfully arranged as an episode. There's one huge gap that I hey, have, what's up? Uh, I'm okay with it. Uh, figgity biggity. I don't cuties. <laughs> Does the fight choreography get better? Oh, my God. When you get to... Well, the hand-to-hand fight choreography, no. But 
the the space fighting right. is incredible in this show. Like the dog fights, the yeah. like the big battles that happen later on in the show are mind blowingly good. Yeah. My in my memory. I mean I haven't seen this in ten years, so We'll see. All of Star Trek fist fighting is Do you remember in Cable Guy when they sing that music from that moment? No. they like recreate that that fight to the death between Kirk and Spock and he sings that music and it's so great. I went back I'd never seen the episode at that point when I saw Cable Guy as a kid. Yeah. And then I watched the episode and it's like It's so good. No, we don't take musical request but we do randomly sing yeah. apparently <laughs> yeah <laughs> look he spelled out that noise <laughs> yeah that's really good uh, uh, great episode love the moral conundrum of Dax's character being a different person yes before when the symbiote yeah okay totally yeah, so that's, that's the core another of the thing episode. that's brilliant about this episode is that the whole thing is an excuse to tell us how Trill yeah. works it's exposition yeah it's exposition dressed it's up as a trial totally where you're basically interrogating elegant the premise ex- exposition yeah. it's so elegantly done mm-hmm. and the characters yeah. that do it the, the arbiter that woman is a great character oh, the arbiter yeah I gotta pull up a, a picture of the Arbiter. <laughs> I want all you assholes to know that I'm a hundred years old and I'm not gonna take any guff from no one. Yeah. Uh, I've got it right here, actually. Oh my god, uh, okay. Yeah. Save image as... <laughs> arbiter. And let me pull this up. I know this is clunky, but we have to do it. Yeah. Because she deserves to be recognized. Absolutely. What did I just save it as? Arbiter. Where did I save it, though? Mm. There it is. Okay, this lady. <laughs> yeah. She's going to live here in her place and of I honor for the rest of the stream. She's like a, a classic character actor. She's got to have been in a bunch oh, of yeah. shit. She was the Uxbridge uh, lady in in TNG. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, yeah, I remember that that episode where there was like the Uxbridge couple who were living on the planet when all the rest of the planet was destroyed. Okay, okay. The okay. husband and wife. Yeah, she was the wife. She's from Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> I can Mrs. see Mrs. Doubtfire's parole agent. <laughs> Absolutely. She can we talk about how miraculous she is for a second? Because she walks in and the first thing she says is like this long-winded speech about how she wants this to be done before dinner, not right. before she's senile. Oh, yeah, yeah. But then continues to set two hour delay. So long. <laughs> One hour delay. Yeah, she's like, I want this to be over immediately. We're taking a two hour break. And then they come back and she's like, You need to get your shit together and I want to get home, so we're taking another hour break. She's like literally sets three hours of breaks yeah. throughout a 42 minute episode of Star Trek. Jokes on you, assholes. I'm already senile. Yeah. Like her, I feel. That's the one thing that doesn't make sense because they needed to give Odo more time right. on the planet that he went to to right. examine what's happening. That he functionally teleported there, by the way. Yeah, he like they needed to stretch out how long this, Odo, this arbitration planet. was taking, so they <laughs> had the arbiter randomly assigned super long breaks. Uh, they must be really close because he got there in like fifteen. Yeah, minutes. it's basically Cisco goes, Odo, I want you to go look at the planet, and Odo's like, Great, Cisco, there's a call coming in. It's Odo. He's, He's on, on the, the planet. planet. <laughs> Holy shit, it's okay. This is fucking Batman, dude. Bruce Wayne could get that shit done. Bruce Wayne can be from the Batcave to downtown Gotham in four minutes, and I don't know how he does it. A lot of that is efficient driving, just knowing you having, like, ways for Gotham. And, yeah, you know. I think that he has, like, used his Bruce Wayne money to build tunnels, like, under the city. <laughs> Why not? Be I'm smart. pretty sure... Yeah, there was something about that in one of the books I read. I don't know. Anyway, uh, yeah, he's Batman. That's the, point. <laughs> That's the point I'm trying to make. So, yeah, the... the 
this character is incredible. Like, there's so much more character in the mm-hmm. Arbiter than there needs to be. It's kind of yeah. like the the Assayer in the last episode. With the, I think though that this character is written well and performed well. And yes, that's, that's a that's, that is a distinction. Yeah, and that's a rarity not in Star Trek. That's a rarity in all shows and movies. This is yeah. written well, performed well. The Assayer was written. There's nothing to. There's nothing. There's there. nothing there. And it was performed incredible. It, performed great. Yeah. Yeah. What about the creepy calm acting from Cisco while he figures out how to how to fix the station so they can use a tractor beam? Yeah, he, yeah, he was very but strange that was also, in that scene. But I liked it. That was a part of the snappiness of that, where Cisco was mostly out of it, and he's kind of letting the staff take care of all of this stuff. You know, right? Yeah, that's that thing where he's like, "You tell me what to do. Decisions made go." I'm gonna yeah. basically. I'm here to blank check everything you're doing and act as a cheerleader and sort of a taskmaster. Like we have to save Dax. Right. Totally. But it's great. That's good leadership. Yeah, which makes me think about how this episode really helped to define the relationship between Dax, Curzon, Dax, and uh, and mm-hmm. Benjamin Sisko. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it addresses <laughs> addresses so much. Uh, it shows more of how the relationship explicitly between the Federation of the Bajorans work you know yeah it, this gives so much background to the story that they're telling mm-hmm. background to the pilot episode paying off the pilot episode saying like what does it mean to be a joined trill who was friends with someone and is now friends with that person as a different right. host like what is that this episode is all about that like yeah. from beginning to end this it has this is this showcases strengths of Star Trek uh, and the promise of this series again showing what it can be yeah Totally. Because it is, there is more, they do a deeper dive into it, and I think, I'm a little disappointed by the end. I think that we're completely, the the biggest elephant in the room is the ending, and then the thing that I think is the big gap in all of this. But, that aside, structurally, it's done so well. Dude, Kevin Hope is here. What's up, Kevin? Hi, Kevin. Kevin is my friend in real life, as well. <laughs> Cisco didn't Kevin has been, uh, Kevin's been on my podcast oh. on maybe... Maybe my favorite episode ever. Um, yeah, he's he's a great dude, and he really likes uh, Babylon Five. And he's been uh, listening. He's listened to our episodes. I hope he likes Discovery. Actually, he did a he did a, a supplemental episode about Babylon Five. LGB Trek. That's what it was called. Yeah, nice. I, that might be my favorite episode of that show. Um, quite the snapper asked. Didn't the Bajorans have contempt for the Federation? Uh, it's, it's like a weird. Some situation. do, some yeah, don't. Some do, some don't. They, yeah, this is. Another thing that's not often done in Star Trek, but they actually show, hey, you know, everyone on this planet doesn't think the same way. Yeah, they the provisional government is, like, questioned constantly. Right, and then they show there's, like, yeah, there's rebels to the provisional government, there's people who are kind of on board, there's people who are definitely not. But normally they're, like, this is the way the Klingons want things, all of the Klingons, apparently. This is the way the Cardassians want things. Yeah. It's only Deep Space Nine itself that starts to get into these more nuanced versions of the governments of the other races, species, and then also how those governments interact with each other. Totally. Yeah, and getting some more background information on Curzon Dax was interesting because getting to the gray areas of Deep Space Nine, they kind of talk about how he was not an ideal trill. I mean, he was having an affair with with his friend's wife, and he was friends with a guy who was maybe kind of like an evil dictator. It, it (laughs) It seems like he was sort of a like a bad dude, you I know. Well, he, but was he was a bad dude for the right side, or they don't get into that. They're just he put down a rebellion. We don't know whether or not the rebellion had any legitimate grievances against the government. Yeah, like the rebel. Uh, yeah, I'm, was it the rebels who killed? It was his own people who killed him. No, the rebels killed him. The rebels killed him. He was selling out his own people to the rebels, 
and then the rebels killed him for it as uh, uh, oh that's that. right killed him for his help that's right okay mm-hmm. so he sold out his own people to the rebels and the rebels killed him mm-hmm. and he died a hero but it was like that that secret transmission that they thought Curzon Dax sent was actually sent by this guy and I don't remember his name but yep. uh, let's call him Ibudan's clone <laughs> to make it easy uh yeah, DS9 actively wanted to explore how the relationship between the governments would work. Right. Totally. Yeah, it's again, that's yeah. why Deep Space Nine and Babylon 5 are compared, because Babylon right. 5 is derisively called the UN in space. Right. Which is great. I love it, you know. Um, it's It feels a little more delicious in Deep Space Nine because it's already entities that you have been familiar with through TNG right. being explored right. more deeply. Totally. Babylon 5 has the uphill battle of like, here's a bunch of people that you need to care about right now because we're going to show how they interact with each other. Yeah, totally. So what's this thing that's hidden? Am I Should I not talk about these things? Oh, you can talk about it. I think I'll leave it hidden. <laughs> okay. Did you see it? I did see it. Oh, can we see it? Uh, you can see it. The, the chat can't see it. Oh, how can I see it? Uh, it's It's that right there. Oh, wait, hold on. Now it's held. Oh, this is what he said. Oh, I see. I <laughs> I could see it. I was looking at it, and I expected there to be a picture oh, associated with it. Yeah, uh, okay. uh, people can't post images. Well, mods can post links, but you can't post images in the chat. Yeah, uh, and most and everyone else cannot post links. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Yeah. So that's just somebody being weird. Yeah, someone mentioned. Cisco needing his coffee earlier, which reminded me, this is the first appearance of Rack the Gino. Yes. And again, like, clever writing where he's like, this drink will keep you, or the, the Rack the Gino will keep me up all night. Right. And I'm thinking, like, what's Rack the Gino? Right. And then he, he's like, I can think of more exciting things to keep you up all night other than Klingon right. coffee. Like, right. he tells you what it is. Right. Exposition was, wrapped in a creep wrapper. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, he's being a creep. I think we've covered that yeah. enough. What's up, Marco? Good to see you. But, uh, but, he's, but the exposition is there. Like, the, the, the sort of elegant exposition is there, which is really nice. Right, right, like, right. They right. do such a good job of, on this show of telling you what you need to know, or in this episode, of telling you what you need to know yep. um, naturally, naturally through conversations that the characters yep. are having, which this is, is so good. It's the, it, yeah, it's what the best writing of Star Trek can be, or any show can be, is that organic flow where it doesn't feel forced... Uh, it doesn't break a lot of the established rules that they already have, apart from that they just reworked all of the trill entirely. Right. Which is fine. It's, it's, you know, it is fine, because yeah. it's better now. It's better now. Yeah. Kevin says, uh, DS9's factions were already explained in TNG. B5 had to explain the universe in the first season right before throwing them all in a blender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> Which I feel like they did in a, as best as they could, but yeah. it was a little... I love Babylon I 5. I'd, so. I'd have to rewatch season one to really weigh in on that, because right. I understand now how much was being how much story pipe was being laid in season one of B5 right 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 but I didn't see it when I was watching it for the first time and was like I am so sick of of watching Michael Garibaldi and his friend learn how to box (laughs) you know (laughs) 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 they had a good way of explaining things without being too obvious totally like the so far this season they have not hit that yet right this is the first episode where I feel like they've really done a good job of that Mm -hmm. of of that really elegant exposition that I'm such a huge fan of so I the the huge flaw for me in this episode, and I do really like this episode, is this should not exist as an episode. Its biggest flaw is that it doesn't need to exist because it comes across like, oh my god, there's never been a case where a trill has done a murder and then no one found out about it until they switched hosts. That has got to be well established yeah, in the trill law. there's got to be a legal law. precedent, totally. And they even yeah. have the weirdest characterization. That, the trill, we accept you as a specialist on the trill. Yeah, but also, 
stop being who you're being. He's his so creepy. Creepy voice, but yes, I do know yeah. that's about true. Dude, that guy was one of the drug addicts in season one of Next Generation. Uh, uh, when they had that, like, what is it, like the Felicium or something? Yeah, yeah. Where, where the guy who played uh, Merrick uh, Buttrick, I think his name. The guy who played Kirk's son okay, in the yeah. movies, and then this guy, who's the creepy trill in this episode, were like addicted to this substance. <laughs> yeah, that was that same actor, but he's creepy as fuck. And, he is. It's for no the, reason. The woman says, "Do you know? Did you know the the host Jedzia Dex before she became uh, a sim- like joint or whatever?" She asked, and he's like, "No, I didn't know her." He's like, "Okay, we accept you as an expert on the trill. <laughs> like th- that is the only qualification is not knowing Jadzia to become an expert on the trill. <laughs> you're an unbiased expert. Yeah, you are a trill, so you're automatically an expert. But you know, like when he first starts talking, he's so creepy. But by the end of his scene, I kind of got that what he was going for was that like trill join trill have a sense of calm about them sure because they have all of these memories all these experiences and all of this wisdom like integrated into their personalities that they didn't have before they were joined mm-hmm. and I think he was trying to portray that yes and I think Jadzia uh, does an insanely good job of that all the time mm. especially in this episode like no, I think she's I really could not disagree, you disagree? More, yeah. oh my god I think that the actress yeah. does such a good job no. of like having the weight of deck of no. of like seven lifetimes I feel behind the, her. I feel it's the opposite. And really? I really I really like Terry Farrell's performance in so many other ways, but when I think about the way that she's portraying Curzon not Curzon, but the way she's portraying the, the Dax aspect of Jadzia it feels like someone who, through no fault of her own, doesn't have any kind of weighty life experience huh. and can't really put herself in that headspace. So she just sort of looks like a child playing at an adult. But in I this case, never thought an adult before. playing at like an older person, a uh, hundreds of years old person. So here's my counterpoint, a show that you have watched. We both enjoy Travelers. Uh. On that show, the the kid, the young 18-year-old, punk ass kid right. who's the boxer he's Amazing. portraying a super, a super old dude, old dude. Yeah. but he does such a good job as a young actor playing Amazing. this 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 guy that is filled with this calm wisdom and I think that's exactly what they want with Jedzia but they don't do it uh, Terry Farrell doesn't pull it off at all I disagree I think Terry Farrell nails it okay. I yeah I um, I will I really thought so especially in this episode how like She's so stoic through most of the episode and not yeah. speaking. Like, they're all talking about her and not asking her questions until the end. Because yeah. as soon as you... Like, well, she's not willing to defend herself is kind of what the episode says. But it's says, so weird. She's, so, she's the other... This is a... Terry Farrell doesn't have good face acting. She's a great actor, but it's, uh, for some reason I just didn't... Mm. That's interesting. Her I facial totally expressions buy her. didn't. I was like, but, "What yeah. are you thinking?" I know what the episode is. I've seen it multiple times now. I know what you're supposed to be thinking. None of it is coming across on your face. I totally. So I, when I went back and watched, it, I'm like, I see in her performance what she's thinking. Oh god! The counterexample for me is the the guy's wife uh, when she has her scenes with Odo. There's all kinds of stuff that is projected really well with uh, her face and her voice. Right, that makes more sense when you see it later. I. I agree. I, for me, it was almost too obvious. Right when she asks, "How's Curzon?" It, like you know that they had a relationship. Yeah, like, well, the, immediately yeah, to the point know? where Odo was like, "You're not a good detective, are you?" Because <laughs> yeah, that, Odo that didn't should have right. been follow up question after follow up question. He's not Batman. <laughs> Bat- Bruce Wayne would have figured that out. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, Doug, you were talking about that when you watched it, totally. There should be a, a legal precedent. There should be this. a legal precedent, and they already brought up the idea of treaties, so the idea of, do the Trill have a treaty, and that would be something you could just explain away in a heartbeat, too, is, oh, this is how the Trill do things with their legal system. Well, the Trill don't have a treaty with the Bajorans, or the Federation, or these assholes, so we have to decide this. And then, you're fine. You've taken that off of the table, right. but this makes it seem like it's never happened and they even lead up to the end of the episode of like okay we're about to decide and oh wait surprise witness right no one needs to discuss what the implications of this are right they they almost made like a a perfectly logical episode but there's yeah. a couple of small holes right but i still love it i yeah. love it i love it because i'm fine with that not being there you can explain why they don't do it or it's easy to come to an explanation of how they could have put it in and then dismissed it. Yeah, I mean, the the purpose of the episode is to kind of pull a measure of a man and, like, put someone on trial for who they are and mm -hmm. how they exist and yeah. kind of try to show you through, like, a judicial format styles of life that you might not consider and, right. like, a way of existing that you might not think of because for some reason, like, doing that in a trial format is really effective. Yeah. It just, like, really emotionally resonates and I think they knew that from doing Measure of Man in season 2 of Next Generation they kind of wanted to do that with Dax so I mean that's what this episode is is a trial to say like what is it to be Trill right. like what is it to be joined <laughs> to be is, is this person like if you have two if you have a joining of two creatures um, and one of them was joined to someone else is it the same person Right. and to me the answer seems to be no because I feel like it it throws away Jadzia's life experience for right. 20 years before this. Right. I think that... Um, it's both. It's, it's a, I it's, think, yeah, it's totally both. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 I'm, I interrupted you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I interrupted you interrupting. And I, <laughs> this show is all interrupted. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I do like that this episode doesn't answer that question, because I do yeah. feel like it is in some ways unanswerable. Um, and that's sort of the fun in this, is that this question can't be answered. Like, well, is this the same person or not? I don't know. Right. But let's right. debate it. Right. Because it's great TV. Yeah, because <laughs> there's the philosophical level of that, where I would also imagine that within Trill Society, within the Federation, this kind of debate, and probably also other cultures that do similar symbiosis things, that has got to be a huge philosophical debate. But the legal issue of what happens with Trills in these situations is 100% necessary to acknowledge. Oh, yeah. Has to have been a solved thing. Has to have been a solved thing. Because there's no way they could be a space-sparing feces? A space-sparing species? A space-sparing species. Feces, yes. A space-faring species without having solved something fundamental as who's guilty of murder. I'm going to make a poll so we can vote on this. Is Jadzia accountable for... Curzon's crimes. This Wait, you you have to rephrase it. Is Jedzia Dax <laughs> accountable? You made me type accountable again, you well, bastard. You, uh, you erase it. For Curzon Dax's Right. That's little we just added Dax. Yes, because it's important. Dax is a crucial part of this. Okay, fine. Is, is Jedzia the, the people answering this poll would have known that. <laughs> well, you are not a good space lawyer, my friend. I am not a space lawyer at all. Okay. Um <laughs> Okay, regardless... Okay, so there's a poll right there. I'm curious what people think. I know. We've been talking a lot. I feel it, like we should read the... Uh... Is Jadzia accountable um, for Curzon's crimes? Like, do you think that... In this situation, oh, do you God. think that uh, <laughs> Jadzia Dax, sh like, if found guilty, should have been put to death? Because it's a death sentence in this episode. Right. Kevin is being... Uh, it's great. He's pulling in something that is very relevant to it, which is the Tuvix. Tuvix? Yeah. No, we Voyager. can... Tuvix is... Right. 
Tubix is why I don't want to rewatch Voyager. <laughs> Tubix, that episode is gross. It's Janeway but, murdered somebody. Get over it. It's that episode makes me feel gross. Nah, I don't like it. It's yeah. Hey, listen, space is dangerous. Being a Federation captain ain't easy. Sometimes sure. people Sometimes die. Sometimes you get turned into a newt and fuck your helmsman. <laughs> yeah, there's fun aspects of it, too. <laughs> it's not Definitely. all It's not all, <laughs> it's not it's all, not all bad. It's not all murdering new species. There's also some fucking... There's also some fun to be had. Uh, how can people not acknowledge oh Voyager as being the best Star Trek? It has got such delicious... Oh, Kevin, thank you so much for being here, dude. <laughs> you are always welcome. We do this uh, every other week. We usually do 2 o'clock. We might, oh, look at that. Everyone's we might try 3 next time. Okay, well, I'm looking at the poll. Here we yeah. go. View results. Uh, two say no, one say yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we're pretty... Well, some people voice voted because they couldn't vote in the... Uh, remember how people can't. Oh, right. So, Amanda... We got some voice votes. Yeah, so it's. Uh, I think the, the chat's leaning towards no. Mm-hmm. Is the bo- is the body responsible for the crimes of the brain? <laughs> That's in- that is such an interesting way to put it. See, what you do is you have to have brain jail and body jail, so you can set people into brain jail and you can put people into body jail. Yeah, body jail is physical labor, and brain jail is is uh, bad music, bad VR experience <laughs> that you have to. Brain jail is what happens <laughs> to O'Brien later on in the show. Brain jail is every bad feeling you've ever had forever. Yeah, Voyager was sometimes hard to watch. I agree. That one time you said that one weird thing. Amanda said no. Okay, yeah, chat's definitely leaning no. Okay. Um, See, I did say yes. I think that you say yes. Well, yeah, because there is the issue. If it was a crime, if if Curzon Dax did murder somebody, suppose they found out about it while Curzon Dax was alive, he would get punished as Curzon Dax, and they probably wouldn't give him a new host, I would think. That's going to take you out of that kind of thing. So I would think at the very least, if Jadzia Dax is alive, Curzon Dax committed a crime, proven demonstrably, perhaps Jadzia doesn't get to pass the host on to someone else afterwards, you know? Yeah, I agree. I think that the... if, If the... If the symbiont has committed a crime, they probably... Probably Trill Law involves not allowing that symbiont to be passed on. Right, and I would say for sure that that the Trill have a, like, no death sentence for the hosts of uh, uh, symbiotes that have committed crimes. I'm guessing that that's their law structure. What would happen in the world like this is, oh, here's someone... Like, the Trill probably don't sign treaties with anyone that has the death penalty for crimes because that's going to be really bad for them, you know? So, in this case, what would happen in the worst-case scenario is, yes, you're... This situation exists, the new host Trill is kidnapped, put on trial, and then that society murders them, you know, for committing the crime. Yeah, because the Trills value life so much, right? Um, I, and I think, like, as a species who is longer lived with the symbionts, yeah. they would value life more because they have more experience and they recognize right. more and more about what makes life special. Yeah, and So I feel of- like, uh, I feel like... If if a, I mean I really feel like if a symbiont committed a crime they wouldn't allow that symbiont to have another host right. because you're gonna like, die if, when this host dies right you know? but I mean that is a death sentence though because it is but yeah, it's if not, a symbiont doesn't have a host they it's die slow death sentence but it's also I feel like it's a great deterrent for them sure you know? yeah totally absolutely okay we missed some stuff in chat let's yeah. back up here this is this is this is a talkie episode there's a lot of yeah stuff I, to and this is the type of stuff I love yeah, yeah. species eight four seven two. And the Borg episodes. I struggle with that in Voyager because, like, I feel like they really defanged the Borg. The Borg are so scary, but then the more you learn about them, the, the less frightening they become. Yeah. Because you keep finding ways to beat them, you know? Like, 
the Borg Queen, while I love First Contact, I feel like the idea of a Borg Queen kind of poisoned the idea of what made the Borg so scary, and then they had to deal with that in Voyager. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I, I struggle with that stuff. It'll be fun. We'll do a deep dive in Voyager. Look at Robocop 2. They put a drug dealer brain in a crime-fighting <laughs> robot. <laughs> I actually haven't seen that. Yeah, I love the first one, though, yeah. but the reboot was terrible. Uh, later in Season 4, we have some more clarity about how Trill think about the different lives of the hosts. Yes. Yes, so we that, will have more clarity right. about this later. We already, for sure. knew, and, and I, we know some of that now from having seen it before. And this is when we get to there in full. That's when they really are clearly rejecting what had been established with Trill right. beforehand at TNG, and they've already rejected that just by saying that like yeah. that Riker had no wasn't there and like had wasn't nothing right. Like they, they're already saying it's a total joining of these two. Like the symbiont and the host are combining into a new personality. Right. And Odon would not give up chasing after that the, the Dr. Crusher pussy. Host after host. He's like, I want to keep touching butts with you. <laughs> and what you learn later is like, that's completely against trill law right. and custom, you know? Right. Yeah, so, I, and that episode is a bad episode, so I don't, for me, I just kind of wave it out of canon. Like, yeah. there's, all, there's some, if like, internal canons. If there's some internal canons that say that there is, like, a northern and southern hemisphere of Trill yes. that look different. Well, that's a thing that Terry Farrell had said when people were like, what do you say about the Trill being different? And yeah. she said, I just picture them living in different parts of the planet, which is totally fine. Totally fine, yeah. because, like, look at our planet. You know, you don't often see on Star Trek, like... Uh, I mean, you see, you you tend to see Vulc- like sometimes you see Vulcans that are of different ethnicities from Earth, right. That have different skin tones, right? Which I like, I, but you don't often see uh, diversity among the cultures that you see it's a on the shows. Right. Yeah, they're all monocultures, right. and the planets are usually like like mono, uh, like uh, the way Star Wars does ice planets. Yeah, exactly. Planets, What's the word planets, for that? Uh, mono topography. I don't know. Uh, um, also, we have to say hi to Beach Guy. Beach Guy is here. Hi, Beach Guy. Voyager had such a great premise that got screwed up by a studio. I absolutely agree. The premise of Voyager has never paid off on that show, and that's my biggest problem with it. Uh, look at Venom. The symbiotes take traits from all the hosts they bond with. Yeah. Well, you uh, can have this either way. So the the idea of the headcanon of there being on among Trill, like the northern continent and the southern continent, is having like, okay, let's say these symbiotes do exist, then the, there's a different way that it's handled. Like, the trill that they showed look different physically, so we can say that they're probably related species, but different enough from each other. Yeah. So that maybe in the one of them, they do just the symbiote takes over, and the host is nothing. You know, it, it completely dominates the personality, and they can go ahead and keep chasing after that dick that they had from their previous relationships. In which and case, no one cares. In which case, my answer changes <laughs> for for the whether or not. Oh yes, that dude be guilty. Like if if. If there is no Jadzia and there is only Dax, and right. Dax just moves from host to host, but it's still Dax, right. then yes, that I think that they should be held accountable. So but. in Northern Continent Trills, which have the one name, Odon, where the symbiote takes over the personality entirely, 100% guilty for past crimes. Yeah. But then the interesting thing is, like, if, if someone was found guilty after the fact like that, should that symbiont be taken out and that host be given another symbiont? If they find... But... but that can't be true because, like, the moment that the symbiont is is connected with the hosts, right? Um, they they have all the memories and they would know everything that that symbiont did, right? But if but if it's the <laughs> if it's the original version from TNG and the symbiont, then the host has no say, right? Then I think in that case, like, if it's found guilty of a crime, then 
the symbiont should be taken out and, and the host given a new symbiont because that's you can't hold that host accountable. Right. But in that society, the host would be a second class citizen because they they don't have any say in their lives once they become joined. Right. So right. it's not as interesting. It's not as fertile of a storytelling ground and I really like that they well, changed what it. would be interesting would be having both side by side where you're exploring both versions of this symbiotic relationship between two different species yeah where they both have the same basic structure uh, but the northern continent hosts that we saw in TNG actively take over the mind of like maybe it's a choice they could make you know they actively take over the full mind of the host yeah maybe it's a choice maybe it's like a Maybe thing. maybe the symbiont is always capable of that, but they they don't. But they're in the southern continent. They're raised not to. I right. like how we've decided yeah. which is which. Uh, Kevin says you could have had the story of how the Maquis and Federation crew integrated and got home. I know. I mean, yeah. what a missed opportunity. They dropped that too quick. Massively missed opportunity. Yeah. Snapper says they have to be guilty together because that's the nature of the symbiotic relationship. It's not symbiotic unless both beings contribute to becoming a single new being. Right. Being. Yeah, that's yeah. true. And in, in TNG, it's not really it's a not symbiotic. symbiotic. It's yeah. Well, it's, I, it's invasive. I, you know what? It can be symbiotic because symbiosis just means that they need each other to survive. Right, right, um, right, right, yeah. It and doesn't Riker necessarily... does come back when they separate. Right. And like there are symbiotic relationships on Earth with like little Little fish that follow bigger fish and just eat stuff off their backs. Oh, like Amanda wants me to take my both... shirt off. Oh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, you need. I see. I was like, it doesn't sound like Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> to survive with mutual benefit, totally. Yeah, and I mean, why? If so, if a host is going to lose their personality entirely, why would someone volunteer for that? Right. Yeah. It seemed like it was a position of honor. What did, what did they say about that in TNG? I haven't watched that episode in a couple years. I don't remember if they really addressed it. It's in one of those, which is not surprising for TNG, where they set up this thing with a bunch of questions. And it's like, nope, we're only doing it this. Yeah. <laughs> we're only telling you about this piece here. Yeah. But again, that would be, on its own, it might not be that interesting to explore, but I think a larger Trill Society exploration with both of these in it would be fascinating because... The, you would get into what does the host get out of it, you know? Right, and it's so much clearer what the host gets out of it when they have a true joining, right. because the host gets these lifetimes of memory, they get wisdom beyond right. their years. Well, they have to, that's why they have to be trained, and it's a highly right. selected thing. Maybe the, uh, <laughs> the Northern Carton Trills is just like, anyone who will do it, honestly, yeah. let's just take whatever they space just, garbage we can find. They just use like their prisoners or something. Like, <laughs> Fuck it, yeah. that guy was ready to go into Rikers. Like, I don't care, man, as long as I don't die. There's like a fascinating story to be told there about the differences between those two presentations of the Trill. Yeah. Because they are so different. Yeah. The only thing that's similar is that there's a, a worm that lives in someone's belly. Right. Like, that's the only similarity. <laughs> the rest of it, like the whole culture built up around symbiosis is totally different with what we get in Deep Space Nine and like kind of beautiful and respectful and based off of choice and free will and, yeah. and like kind of a wonderful thing yes more um, of a Star Trek ideals yeah totally oh my god holy shit quite the snapper just dropped a $20 super chat whoa holy crap <laughs> oh my god dude that's amazing thank you so much getting high and talking about Star Trek is worth and we're gonna get a notification that pops up in a second with a little dance party too which is very exciting Wait, wait, I want to hear it. Miles, you're on my headphones. <laughs> wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. Everybody pause for the dance. There we go. Oh, there it is! 
Uh, I like the little rainbow DS9. Yeah, that's a DS9 Nyan cat. This is a DS9 episode. DS9 cat. Dude, thank you so much. That really means a lot. You're you're so kind. Thank you. Uh, what were we talking about? Someone earlier, nine. way back in the chat, and I saw whoever you were asked uh, about the Arbiter's gavel, right. like, which the is Arbiter's gavel, which, which is, is basically beautiful. a Borg sphere. It's <laughs> boom. Like what a great prop. Yeah. Like we can see it yeah. in that picture. Yeah. It's, it's something good that's, design. Sometimes I find hokey in Star Trek where like they lovingly zoom in and fetishize this object. They focus in on it, you know, when she's slamming that gavel. it's We kind of do that in our, you know, jury shows here. Yeah. But it was worth it. Like, yes, you should be proud that you made this, like, heavy stone round gavel thing, and then you had the little tray for it. It was all really... Again, it flowed naturally. That was like... I I wish that they'd been a little more, like... This this is something that bothers me about Star Trek is that they just kind of assume that all societies have the same thing that we have. Sure, like they all have We're gavels. Greco Roman. Like they, their arbitration system is exactly yeah. like ours. It's called arbitration. Yeah, yeah. It's not a trial. It's arbitration. But but the thing is, is like if you're looking at it as an excuse to tell a good story, yeah, then super worthwhile and, yeah. and wonderful. Yeah, and these are things that I accept because if you understand Star Trek canon, you have to accept that there's a planet where they have the American flag and they worship the Constitution. So. It's the bocce ball of. Justice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, having everybody have the same court system is fine with me. Oh, Amanda, type it in like this. Just like that. This pops up another thing on screen. Oh, okay. Wait for it. Wait for it. Barrel roll. Happen on screen. Happen on screen. Aw. <laughs> Wait, it's not happening. Alright. Is this... Hold on. Sometimes I have to refresh it. Where is the redeem? Do you need an EPS power conductor? I'm looking at my... I'm looking at my setup here. There's a lot going on in this setup. Oh, the redeem is missing. Hold on. I'm going to try to reroute the power crystal redeemer. I don't need this one. Through the streaming... Add source. No. Wait, hold on. I'm going to switch sources so I can grab it. Hold on. This is going to look weird. <laughs> we're going... We're going to my retro gaming setup for Home a second. Reach. Okay, where's the redeem? This one. Okay, let's see. Now I have to... I can't see it over the microphone. This is... Copy that. Copy that. Roger. Redemption no, reward here. loaded. Back to here. Add source. <laughs> you know, she doesn't have all day for this. The Arbiter wants you to get this back in before she gets senile. <laughs> okay, now let's try that again. <laughs> Isolinear chips. Flight controls. Uh, roll. Let's see. There was a roll. What else is there? There's a... Uh, Oh, this ludicrous speed. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> Wait for it. Okay. These take a second, right? I think I spelled ludicrous wrong. <laughs> you should have done roll. Roll's easy. <laughs> flight controls LS. I think it's flight controls LS. Okay. Oh, let's get it. Ah, there it there is. Go. And he goes, wow! 
<laughs> All right, we fixed it. Yay! We're thank good. you, Jesse. Okay. I will make fun of you the entire time you're fixing it, but I I'm glad that it gets. I feel done. like that's fair. That's the kind of person I would be at Deep Space Nine. Would just be trash talking everyone while they were trying to work. Wow. <laughs> you would be fired immediately. <laughs> so you're basically Quark. <laughs> I love how Odo convinces Quark to give up the bar for the arbitration. Oh, by, by blackmailing him. Yeah, yeah. But, and then telling Cisco that, like, he just did he, that for his own enjoyment. Yeah, yeah. He tells Cisco later that Quark gave it up of his own will, and right. it's like <laughs> ridiculous. It adds into the myth that Quark is like a uh, uh, has a heart of gold underneath all of his gruff exterior. Yeah, because Odo is just being a you know strong arm asshole, <laughs> and doesn't tell Cisco that. So Cisco's like, "Hey, Quark's maybe not so bad." Oh, I had to pop it open there. Thank you. I just remembered that we were going to... Space cigarette. <laughs> um, yeah. I, uh, I, yeah, for me, like, having a central question at the core of an episode that is hard to answer... Yeah. Where, where they argue it on both sides mm-hmm. effectively is, like, such a Star Trek thing to Absolutely. do. Absolutely. It's why I think the Tuvix episode, it, Kevin was great to bring that up, is that it's very... has a very similar feeling and connotations. Yeah, but for me, like, Measure of a Man is, is a better... Like, is, is more similar because Tuvix, like, ignores its own good points. Sure, 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 sure. Which sure, is... Sure, it, sure. Like, Tuvix makes, makes you wonder if the writers know what morals are. Yeah, well, because I, I, I wished that it had been basically, like, acknowledging, yeah, I ain't going to murder this person because I like the other people better than I like you. End of the day, you know? Which yeah, is, it's which like is, we're, we're murdering this person because, like, it's two lives can be saved by killing this one person. Yeah, you know? which I think is very Starfleet. That's very Federation. Yeah, the needs of the many. But, <laughs> and also, like, those people didn't have a choice in being combined. Yeah. But but listening to Tuvix, like, tell them you are going to kill me and having the whole crew ignore him. But that's so it, like, great. That's what it I... It feels icky. That's But that's what it should be. It's got to get under your skin. Like, this one... You know, they they never get to, the whole murder thing. You at no point feel any sympathy for this murder victim. You know what I mean? That is such an abstract aspect of this episode, which is good because I think it keeps it at the higher level clinical. What are the basic structures of the legality here? They didn't make it like, oh, it was like a twelve year old child that was strangled to death or something, where you'd be like, holy yeah. fuck. Yeah, Kevin says your DNA didn't have the choice to be combined. We're all accidents of birth. I heard uh, Bill Nye say that uh, everybody is is genetically is like a genetically modified organism because your parents chose each other, right? Which makes you like the an, genetic engineering, genetically engineered right. between it's, like the choices of it's, people. It's which is sloppy, basic ass genetic engineering. <laughs> it's sloppy. It's very sticky. Also, which is why we must impose order and structure on breeding. Oh, that's a good point. As a costume maker, I have to appreciate the difference in clothes from culture to culture. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the costume design in the last <laughs> couple episodes, particularly the one before this, was oh, really the good. The dudes with the stuff over their heads. Yeah, the like the the uh, what's it called? Auction. That's yes, the word. Auction. Sorry, there was not enough for me to go for there. Yeah, baseball. <laughs> what's it called? I don't know. What are you yeah. talking about? Yeah, the, a lot of the costume design was really great. I re- okay, so I love I love Odo's arc in this episode, and there's so many times where what Odo is doing is like borderline, <laughs> like funny. Yes, with his delivery of like comic well, relief. Yeah, 
the murder happened here at <laughs> twelve o'clock p.m. Like, he, he just seems like a like an old British constable, yeah, from like like that werewolf movie, or like from like uh, a Jack the Ripper mm-hmm. serial on BBC. Mm-hmm. Like he. he even the way he delivers his lines sometimes is like a 1920s gangster. Yeah, yeah, um, small town sheriff. Yeah, it's it's very silly and sometimes kind of comical. Yeah, and I feel like they've not quite gotten the tone of that right yet. Right. Even they're, though I feel like they're using Odo correctly. Finally, yeah. you know, like put, putting him on the case. He's so good at that, and I love when they do those episodes <laughs> and like getting to have him go. You know solve a mystery that is decades old and showing that he's above average at detective work I think is really effective character development and I really like that for him yeah Um, but there's still times where his dialogue is just like a little too much for me Uh, quite the snapper that Oda was more like an annoyed comedian (laughs) Uh, yeah I think that's a fair characterization (laughs) it's like everybody that we know (laughs) early in the series yeah totally but he's got he's already starting to develop some of his mannerisms that I think are so yeah. good like when when he's yeah totally and when he's sitting talking to Quark like getting Quark to give him the bar for the arbitration he's just like like his chest is puffed up and he's just like well we're gonna have to maybe we'll have to walls. move these walls this bar is too close <laughs> to the exit like he's like getting some of that weird swagger that he gets later on that Why? is so good new regulations yeah. I don't make them I just have to enforce them it's so good it's so good all he, sweets are gonna have to come down yeah but he's like still but it's still a little bit awkward you know it, they don't they don't quite have it see here's my problem is that Odo is a bad cop 100% he's he's bending the rules yeah we only ever see him strong arming Quark you have to know that Odo does this to people that are innocent that he thinks are guilty, and that is what justifies him to lay the hammer down. Right. He's going to be wrong. He's a fallible person. So that's that's a thing that I... Uh, but I do think that Odo wouldn't take permanent action against somebody yeah, unless he had absolute proof. Right, right. Like, he, he would put anyone in jail at any second of oh. the day, but he's not going to, like, let someone leave his custody yes. until he's sure that, have, they, that they should. I have new headcanon. Uh, the reason why Odo doesn't use a phaser is he knows he would straight up murder someone uh, 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 who was innocent because he knows himself he knows that this is what he does he knows that he's wrong but he's trying to get results that's interesting if he had a phaser he'd probably wind up hurting somebody that's really interesting maybe now he's better but when he was younger he was you know yeah well he's Batman because he doesn't use guns <laughs> he's Batman. we're back on it yeah he's Batman again I, now all I want in the world is to have Odo like shapeshift into Batman, <laughs> I wa- but I want to see it in an episode of Deep Space Nine. Someone make that happen. Yeah, I agree with Amanda and quite the snapper about loving Odo. Odo is yeah he's one of great. the especially yeah first season, um, I, but he's such a good actor. You know, Renee and I cannot pronounce his last Albert name. Albert Jean Wall. is a great actor, and the characters is we're saying it hasn't been fully formed yet but it's still written really well yeah. it also helps that he's very tropey because he is you know hitting these beats that are well known yeah I uh, I also want to bring up the end of this episode where the truth is revealed mm-hmm. uh, because the 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 widow comes and right. testifies but then the best scene of the episode I think is when she talks to Dax as they're like walking down the <laughs> promenade I love that scene <laughs> Just yeah, go they, they, live. 
I Dex. love that moment. I love I that too. moment. I'll, I'll make fun of it, but it is. It's it is, so good. It I actually almost heavy. I almost rolled a tear because oh, it was like you're such a sad. I'm such a sad <laughs> because like you have this this woman who is seeing this person that yeah. she loved mm-hmm. and not seeing their gender. She's like seeing through Dax's eyes to right through Jadzia's eyes to Dax. She's seeing the Dax that she loved, and she like Curzon's not there anymore, well, but <laughs> but like a piece of what she loved is still there, and she gets to speak to that person again. What she is showing is that yes, Jadzia should be held accountable for Curzon's. Ah! <laughs> totally, because that's how but, she views it. She's seeing Curzon. Yeah, I mean, luckily Curzon didn't commit a crime, yeah, so that's, that the, right, the point that's becomes the, moot. That's, right, that's and, the other reason yeah. none of this needs to exist and yeah. it gets a kind of an unsatisfying conclusion but i love that you have yeah. an unanswerable question that they refuse to answer it's yes. great yeah, yeah but yeah. yeah but when she <laughs> when she says live what she's saying is like you were about to let your life yes. like be given away for nothing like you're about to throw your life away for a secret that you didn't even make right like you the weight of this symbiont is weighing you down to the point where you're not willing to live your own life yeah. as jadzia and that's not necessarily good yeah. for you so live like go live your life like she conveyed so much in yeah. that moment the acting is fantastic that woman played uh, uh the woman who may or may not be data's mother in uh, which actually happened a year later than this episode came out i always oh, think of tng as happening before but like it was done yeah but right. like she did this part and then that part a year later yeah and she was that dude's mom on lost and that crazy like time travel <laughs> episode one of the only good episodes in season five gotcha gotcha uh, Fion- Fionula Flanagan Fionula Flanagan I don't yeah know when I was name. watching this and I was trying to think of who I wanted for best characters and best actors it was the the Arbiter and then her yeah. uh, shame I don't remember her character's name Enon Anina something like that Elena let's look it up um, but I'm, t- I'm still at this moment still torn I've got it like right here yeah uh, let's see it was right oh it was in Trivia. Um, Gregory Itzen is that other dude. Oh, Wait, the, oh, the, Anne Haney, that's that one. The invest, the uh, uh, the son. Yeah. So she played. Um, what was her character's name? Anina Tandro. Tandro. Yeah. Tandro. So yeah, there's Anita, like yeah. Elon Tandro, I think. So something close to something that. Like that was the son, and then I don't remember what the dad's name, but the Tandros. The Tandro family. Yeah. But Anina Tandro, yeah. Right. That's her name. I'll leave that up for later. Um, yeah, I mean, she gave a really great performance. Yep. But, but the Arbiter, to me... Mm. Well, should we get into that stuff? Is there anything else in that ep- in this episode we want to talk about? I don't know. Let's, let me look at my notes. Does chat have anything they want to talk about uh, the episode? This is one of those where I didn't write down a lot of notes, but it was still like... Because I'm like enraptured by the episode, and yeah. it's going to be so easy to talk about. Like I could keep talking about all of these... Uh, philosophical aspects. Yeah, I agree. Oh, I did write down some things like, oh, do, do uh, the, what we're now calling the Southern Trill. Apparently, they also get all the shit from the previous host. Uh, the, the, it's implied because the, uh, they talk about the ring that Curzon pops Cisco with, le- leaving a scar on oh, him. Oh, yeah. And then Jadzia sadly is like, when I became Dax, I tried to put the ring on and it slipped up. Like, why'd you have his ring? <laughs> That's interesting. You, did you get this dead guy Why stuff? Why wouldn't she have? Does she have just like a crate of like trill porn? Probably porn from a variety of species. Well, if it's like on, a if Klingon, it's a, a deep bucket of Klingon porn. If it's an item, <laughs> if it's an item that um, has sentimental value to the to the symbiont, why wouldn't they pass it on? Well, I'm saying this is going to be everything, probably right. All of the stuff, like the property doesn't. The, the the symbiote gets the property of the previous person, right? You know, yeah. their whole estate. It's not like they get sold off. 
Yeah, that's interesting. Maybe, or maybe they have kids. That might maybe be they issue. just put everything else on eBay that they don't want to keep. Uh, yeah, another chase where they didn't use the transporters. Um, and then, uh, oh, why why didn't they change the override security codes from before? Yeah, from when the Cardassians were <laughs> yeah. there. And again, I love the chase. I love the chase, and I thought that they did such a good job with it. But there are these little things that are kind of... Yeah. Yeah, like sometimes the show... Uh, you can... You, you can, can always everything. see the reverse engineering on Deep Space Nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, what is this episode? Okay, well, it's an episode about trying to define who Dax is as a character. How do we do that? Well, we should probably talk about what it means to be a Trill. Okay, how do we do that? Well, we could have something that happened in Curzon's life affect right, Jadzia somehow. Right, right. Okay, what should that be? And then they like come up with this, you know, this whole political you backstory build it around it. Yeah, right. Which is which makes sense because it's it to me. If I was a writer on the show, I'd be like, "What the fuck is up with the trills?" You know. Yeah. Didn't the guy who played Zeph from Cochrane play someone on DS9? Yes, and on TNG, and oh. uh, they used footage of him on Enterprise, but I don't think he reshot anything. Or maybe he did. I can't remember. All three of them were guilty. <laughs> um, I did write down the other thing I that stood out to me. It's it's this like meta analysis of the show, where I don't like the fact that Julian had done the like oh, but that doesn't mean no permission to follow her home. But then is I don't want to say rewarded for it because he does get himself knocked out, but he gets to be there at a crucial important moment. So it's not like he's gonna question that he did the wrong thing you know if anything right. it's going to help in theory the motivation for him to continue to be like well she didn't say no maybe she's getting kidnapped again ugh yeah so that's they, <laughs> that's the this is the that's the, the part that stands out like a sore thumb in this episode I agree yeah and they often do stuff in the intro like in the the cold the opens. first act in the cold opens that is trying to build character and sometimes whenever it's Julian's character job. Yeah. yeah whenever it's Julian it's just kind of once gross. Julian falls in love with Garrick <laughs> everything about him chills out do you think the Arbiter throws the gavel if they are found guilty they have, I, think, I think that they have a Bonk. net yeah and they just toss it into the into the thing there's like there's a they have a little bowl that's guilty and a bowl that's not guilty and the Arbiter has to toss it in um yeah, I I adore how much character they put into the Arbiter. Yeah, where she has so much personality, but you can tell that like she's like you made it more difficult for me by bringing that point up. Like she's going right. to be fair. I wish you had. She has said to that. be fair. Yeah. She has no choice but to be fair, <laughs> and she like makes that a point. Um, yeah, and it's it's also interesting looking at the story from the point of view of the son who is kind of pursuing Dax across the galaxy. Oh yeah, who's looking for answers right. for something about a father he never knew. Right. But um, maybe has inherited some of his father's poor qualities. Yeah, well, in the, the more that I thought about this, because he's the antagonist. He's the villain of the episode. Right. But I guess I would say that he didn't do anything unjustifiably wrong, including kidnapping and attempting to murder Jadzia, because, because of the silence of his mother, all of the evidence pointed to this being the case. Right. Except for his father, which is interesting because and it's natural. It's like, oh, four people could have killed this man. Oh, well, he committed suicide, you know. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of in that same range. So, he, he they mentioned he eliminated all the other suspects. The only person left was Curzon. So yeah, like his detective work was decent. He's right. He's not wrong based on what he knows. He's pursuing right. justice for but his father. He is assuming guilt 
before like talking to Jadzia. Like he's assuming that Jadzia is guilty. Which is legitimate because again, all of his evidence says that. Like literally only four sure. people had these codes. But the fact that he's wrong means that he's a bad detective. Yeah, well yeah, it's like Odo. It's, it's Odo would murder people. <laughs> Did the son have a warrant for Curzon? He had a warrant for Dax. Yes. He had a an extradition agreement with uh, the Federation, which means that, like, with his... Well, did he have a warrant? Well, yeah, they... they he had something that he showed... An arrest warrant, right, for, for Curzon, but they don't ever go... Yes, so he has an arrest warrant for Curzon, and he's like, I'm going to take Jadzia, and then the Federation's like, mm, that's not Curzon, that's Jadzia, and that's kind of what starts the arbitration. He's saying this is Curzon, and they're saying it's not, then let's talk about it. Right. Let's have the, the there's enough merit to the case that the Bajorans will have a, a arbitration discussion. That's the other thing is this could have been done with the Federation where he's like, we can just take people and they'd be like, well, well let's have a trial about it because you're, the names don't match. Yeah, you know? they didn't have to make the Bajorans hold the trial, but it was an interesting part. It was an interesting thing to do. Uh, Andy asks. Or Andy says, alien courts could presume guilt over innocence, which is a really good point, and I think yeah. specifically said in Star Trek at some point, like one alien says guilty until proven innocent. Right. Um, but we know that the Federation doesn't follow that. Right. So, but this is Bajoran, and I think that I think that innocent until proven guilty makes you a better detective, you know, than guilty until proven innocent. Like you cannot say guilty until you have proof. Right. Like that's why Odo comes up with the right answer, you know. Yeah, so here's the other question. I think what was the implication is that this dude is going to kidnap Jadzia, Curzon, to him, and put him on trial. So right. it's not like if they lost the arbitration, oh, Jadzia's dead. They would have had a trial on this planet. On planet. I'm guessing his mom yeah. would have popped into the heads. Maybe. Even if she didn't, there'd still be the trial. And then Jadzia would, at that point, you know, she's refusing... To give a defense to herself, then yeah. yeah okay. How did he know Jadzia okay. was the new Dax? That's a good. I, he probably just got in touch with the Trill government, which they called the Trillion in this episode, <laughs> and never again. Yeah, it's Vulcanians all over again. Yeah, yeah, and like <laughs> Memory Alpha talks about how Vulcanian and Trillian are like alternate ways to say, or like Bajora instead of Bajor. Yeah, yeah, or Bajoran. Uh, um, he had a he had a tr this is so weird that I know it is that he had a trill working for him so it, the the explanation could be that this person sold him information or brought him to Deep Space Nine because on Netflix when you pause it and it does the one sentence summary the summary for this episode is something like Jadzia Dax is heading to her quarters for the night when she's being watched by a trill named Salen Peel or something. Literally, right. that's it. The, that's 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 not. That's the summary of the that. cold open, which doesn't make it's, sense. It's, it's like the opening. Oh yeah, he's like there's two dudes like behind a thing. He's yeah, like, that's that. That's Dax. Like but, someone points out Dax. Right, because one, but that's what Netflix describes as the right. summary of the episode. Okay, there. so <laughs> so he knew that Dax was a trill, and then he just like. And then that guy looked up where Dax was working and then found someone on the station to point out Dax to him. Or he said, I want Curzon Dax. I'm going to contact the Trill homeworld. They're like, right. we can't give out that information. And then he calls back at night and there's some dude who's like, you know, for like 50 bars of gold press latinum, <laughs> right. I will take you to Deep Space Nine and show you where Curzon Dax is now. Because I kind of didn't like that guy. He was a bit of a bully. 
Yeah. And then that dude's like, all right, and then they go to Deep Space Nine. Long story short, there are many <laughs> ways where we can get to this guy finding out yeah. who Jadzia is. So I'm fine with that. Many ways. <laughs> uh, what do we think about Jadzia keeping a secret for a pre- previous host that would get her killed? Again, it shows that it's you. you, you th- this episode, in every other circumstance, shows that a lot of the characters believe that Jedzia should be responsible for the murder. Jedzia herself feels that she's responsible for the secrets. You know, right? It's like uh, they are entwined, or that kind of history is entwined. I, I don't know if it were me if I would do the same thing, but I like that Jedzia makes that choice. Because the stream should end with Tetris Attack. <laughs> I really like that Jadzia makes that choice because it gives us a good sense of her character. Like she's someone who holds herself to the things that that she says, and you know, even if it was something that her host said, she'll right. uh, or her symbiont said, she'll still hold herself to. What it. I can't tell is, are they implying it's almost like a friendship where Curzon to her is a friend who only exists in memory, but not necessarily as herself, or right. is it? No, this is me, and I have to be responsible for this. I don't know. That's that's where it gets real squishy with Trill. I think, for me, I think that her relationship with uh, whatever Tondro her name is, mm-hmm. um, Lady Tondro, Lady we'll Tondro. Her, her relationship with Lady Tondro makes her... Elenid. Uh, like, her memory of that, and that... I think that they were in love. Yes. And... Um, I think that bond went deep enough for Curzon that she couldn't break... And for... Dax, the symbiont, right. that she could not break that bond. Right. She, it would, like she she couldn't be the one to bring shame onto a woman that she used to love. I right. think more than anything else, that's what was driving yeah. Jedzia's so, decision. So what I'm seeing now, further headcanon, is that the Northern Trill, who just like do whatever they want from symbiote to symbiote, including chase the same woman through three hosts in the matter of like four days. What's up, Max? Uh, versus the Southern Continent Trill, who are like, no, we do not carry on relationships, but they totally want to. You know what I mean? That's they've they're setting this rule that they themselves can't follow, right? Because Jadzia is shown to do that later on in the series. Ezri does it, you know, in a heartbeat. Yeah. Um, the fact that she's Curson is working with Cisco. You're like, come on. Yeah, there's a lot of inconsistency in Trill logic. No, I think you, but it's good. It's like if you take it as this is a cultural. Sort of like we have like this uh, common monogamy uh, sexuality on uh, uh, our culture, Western culture. Yeah. Yet you know it's not. Um, where am I going with this? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not it's not a. But you still have people who want to be in polyamorous relationships right. and who will pursue that. Uh, and then like the way that the way that a culture embraces or rejects people who have natural feelings that are different from the norm right. defines a culture in a lot of ways. Right. And, so, and it's interesting that the Trill are such a long-lived and open society, yet these things are taboo. Right, they have a lot that, of strange taboos around it. Yeah. And I think that that is one of them, and this is, must be their view of how uh, it makes their Trill society more stable. Yeah. Versus totally. those rotten northerners who just take over the host and do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah, it always kind of rubbed me the wrong way that it was discouraged for a Trill to get into romantic relationships with uh, this with the same person. Right. I feel like if they're in love and they make each other happy and that can continue onto a new host, like, why not? What's wrong with that? Yeah. And it, it seems like a weird taboo. We'll get back to, to that have. later, because yeah. they, they have another episode about that. Yes, the society can only be judged by how it treats its poor and its powerless. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. And we are 
We're doing a shit poor job of that right yeah, now yeah. as a society. <laughs> I'm but, still going back to old stuff. Curzon is her dead conjoined brother, <laughs> <laughs> who you also have memories of. Their, uh, yeah. their personality. Yeah, and I I feel like the Trill are a more evolved society than ours. They you know? kind of give it that the, like Trill come off as like we know better about a lot of stuff. Yeah, and sometimes it seems like it's because they're more evolved, and sometimes it feels like maybe you're just arrogant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, you have such long memories. <laughs> Thriller interesting too because it's one it's the, the species that's never shown as anything other than a curiosity about its culture you know there's no military aspect of them there's nothing else that's shown in terms of their interaction with other species it's just like symbiotes are weird yeah totally well should we get to the voting are you yes. guys ready yes I uh, I love this episode and I, I love mm-hmm. I love talking about the moral the moral issues mm-hmm. it's at meaty. the core of these episodes, especially in an episode that doesn't answer its own questions. I right. think that's so cool. Okay, so we're going to rate it rate from it. 1 to 10 bars of gold-pressed latinum. Right. Oh, you are getting so good at that. I got real good at that now. Boom. I can make a 10-question poll in seconds. <laughs> Paula! Hey, what's up, Paula? You made it. Okay. Okay, we are voting on the rating 1 to 10 for the episode Dax. How do we rate it? Doug, what do you think? Straight up, 9 bars. Wow, Doug giving it a 9. Coming in hot with a 9. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. All the nitpicky that I do doesn't really affect my overall enjoyment of the episode. It's still... It doesn't need to exist, but it's a solid, solidly constructed and executed episode. Uh, And in this case, my, my ongoing beef about by Bashir this being one of the worst things that he's done so far still won't detract me from enjoying the episode that's awesome uh, so Andy this time I'm voting for Andy because Amanda voted already is that correct I'll pop in a six for Andy um, okay Doug's giving me a nine well I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it I love this episode, and I feel like this is low. What my my instinct my instinct is telling me seven point five, but I have to back that up <laughs> because it's such a good episode. Um, that I you know what you know what bothers me about this episode is that it is the measure of a man. Like it's so similar. <laughs> I I think that I think the trial format right is just kind of like a crutch. To, uh, oh, you mean the pilot to TNG? <laughs> well, see, that trial format is different. Like, that's that's what I'm is talking about. Is that, like, Q is putting humanity on trial for the whole entirety of that show, right. you know? And th- right. that's different. But, like, sitting down and having an arbitration, for me, right. brings up, like, one of the... one of the. It's so good in Star Trek. And they do it again in this show with that um, Worf's, like, yes. command decisions in yeah, another yeah. episode that I really love. Yeah. Um, yeah, courtroom drama. Yeah, totally. But right. something about... Something about doing a courtroom drama on Star Trek feels like cheating to me. <laughs> it's like, let's just take a procedural format that sure. works and apply it to our procedural yep. show instead of coming up with something new and different. So, I would watch Space Court, the Star Trek Space Court show, yeah. 
every day. Yeah, so I don't care if Deep Space Nine or any series wants to dip into the court well. Make it a fucking hospital drama episode. Make ten of those. Yeah. Do it well. I'm on board. I've been saying for years that I want to see a Starfleet medical show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're right, though. I mean, I think that that could be the ultimate Star Trek is one that is just a court... Like the Star Trek JAG. (laughs) Star Trek JAG! Star Trek JAG! Yes, that's the show. That would be so good. (laughs) Yeah, they did it to Captain Pike. It is a Star Trek classic thing. It's a TV classic thing. It's it's justice. That's, you know... So should I hold that against this episode? So it's up to you. I personally don't think a well-executed trope... should be counted against the fact that the trope itself is well-worn. You're right. You're right. Even you should get points if you can take a battered old trope and either take a new spin on it, put it in a new direction, or do it pitch perfectly and make it satisfying. Yeah. Totally. So, yeah. Yeah, So, okay, I don't think I should hold that against this. Um, Because this this is the thing. Some people hold genre fiction as a structure, like, oof, it's just a space thing, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, okay. I'm looking at my other rating because it helps me. Oh, you're such a cheater. I gave Babel a 6.5. Okay. I feel like the thing thing that... I shouldn't hold that against this episode because it is a well-executed courtroom drama. Mm -hmm. Um, And the thing that makes this truly special to me is that really emotional moment at the end where, where, like, Dax and... Mm. I forget her name again. Elon, Lady Linda. Lady Tondro, Tondro, yeah, uh, have that like really special Mother moment. Tondro, like that. It's such a such a special moment. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna. My initial thought was seven point five. I feel like I maybe talked myself into an eight. <laughs> I'm gonna give it an eight. All right, why not? Jesse talked himself up. Talk myself five up to an eight. Strips of gold press latinum. Okay. Oh, and I have to vote um, for Andy. Nine is too close to being a ten. Quite the snapper understands math. Yeah, Star Trek is absolutely about social justice. I'm gonna go to an eight. Uh, wait, Andy voted six, so I have to add a six to this because they can't both vote. Boom. Okay, and what's our math? Our math, our math man is doing the math. That's more votes. Now you got more math to do, buddy. <laughs> Still comes out to a solid eight. It's an eight. Eight in the chat. All right. Nice. Well done, chat. There's uh, enough enough high voters that push that eight, (laughs) push that push that six back up. (laughs) Chat and I are in agreement. Okay, so now we need to nominate people for best. uh, What is it? Best performance next? Performance and character. No, favorite character first. Okay. Yeah. Favorite character in this episode. So, Arbiter. Arbiter. uh, Dax. Jadzia. Yeah. Odo, Lady Tondro, Lady Tondro, Odo, Odo. Ooh, Tondro's son, Tondro's son, Son Tondro, the pro- Tondro prosecutor, Tondro's son, um, that creepy trill dude, the <laughs> creepy trill dude. <laughs> Anyone uh, else we want to nominate for favorite character? Bashir. Oof. If you want to get banned, well, yeah, we didn't get we didn't get into it. the gavel. The gavel. <laughs> uh, okay, that's eight options. That's, that's good. That's plenty. We didn't get into the meat of the testimony. This uh, talk. we could. This is one of those episodes we could have done the whole thing. I mean, you know? we can still talk about it while these people are voting. Okay. The bocce ball of judgment. The Bashir testimony was interesting because he was yeah. like, that was actually a good characterization of like he was so fucking proud of himself 
and he got his ass handed to him. Yeah. Watch as Tondro Litigator owns Idiot Federation Doctor. But he did a good job of, like, Cisco telling him, like, assume the answer is no and then find the proof. Yeah. Uh, he did a good job of he finding did, medical proof that they are not the right. same. He did what Cisco told him to do, and then none of it held up in fake Bajoran arbitration court. Yeah, totally. But then he was so cocky, so proud of himself, and then always like trying to throw eyes at Jedzia, who was basically just like eye rolling. Because she never says anything, and she's just eye-rolling his testimony. She's like, I'm already dead, so fuck this noise. It's only when Cisco testifies for himself, uh, calls himself to the stand, you can see her like being proud of the questions and the things that Cisco is saying. Like, this guy yeah. gets it. She's proud of her accomplishments as Jadzia, which is really which is really a really good argument that she is a different person. I mean, so much so much about this episode is so well done. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, Doug, favorite character. Do I have to go first every time? Well, it helps because then I just put it in order. Oh, I see, I see. Just, that's just me being lazy about my spreadsheet. Um, okay, my favorite character is the Arbiter. Yeah, of course it is. Um, Favorite character. I'm actually going to go with Jadzia on this one. I mm, Interesting. Bold choice, my friend. Because, Bold choice. Because like I get such a good sense of who Jadzia is as a person in this episode. Right. It's and, interesting because your favorite character, it's defined by other people. Hey, what's up, Austin? It's not like Jadzia defines herself in this episode. Jadzia does define herself in this episode with her silence and with, uh, with her ability okay. to die for the love of a past this is, host. This is Jazzia. It's the notes she's not playing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, there's something really special about it. And like, I, I feel the weight of her past hosts and her performance. I know we talked about that in the, yep. the last episode. It's going to come today, up a lot while we talk about it. I feel that in this episode, that moment is so special at the end. I voted Gamble. Andy B. to the poll. Okay. Okay, Amanda's going gavel. Amanda's going gavel. Oh, so I'm going Jadzia. Chad is beautiful. We are 100 percent the gavel. Thank you, Chad. Chad is correct. I wanted to vote for the gavel. Uh, I appreciate that you couldn't, because that's what Chad is here for. Well, the arbiter was too good of a character. Right. The arbiter was no assayer, and the assayer was amazing. That's we had like the best. The two best yeah. like bit bit parts ever. Yeah. All right. Best performance. Arbiter. Yep. Jadzia. Uh, Lady Tondro. Lady Tondro. Odo. Odo. Cisco. I mean, he does some good trialy shit here. I'll throw him on there. Tondro. I accidentally created no. it. That's good. Is no. there anyone else? We'll wait and see if someone nominates them. Okay. The bocce ball wins. <laughs> All right, guys. Favorite or favorite performance poll is live. And Doug, who do you say? My favorite performance was Lady Tondro. Really? Yeah, and you convinced me of this. Oh, Fionn Yula. I actually know her name. Oh, nice. It's Fionn Yula Flanagan. Whoa, that is a... That is... The name looks like a Star Trek name. It. Uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, though. Uh, probably not. You sold me <laughs> on her uh, being the best performer in the episode uh, when you were talking about the emotional weight of the uh, scene at the end yeah. where that made me realize like because so I was torn between Arbiter and uh, the Lady Tondro which one was the best character which one was the best performance was one both and I realized that I could split the difference because the Arbiter was a great character acted well so I can just you know take it there but Lady Tondro puts herself over the top as an actor performing in the role 
because there was nothing necessarily emotional or weighty about the performance for the Arbiter. It was a good, it was a solid, great, well-characterized performance, but having the emotional effect on you uh, made me think that's that's a, mm. a, a notch above, you know, which is yeah. hard in this kind of genre fiction, I think, to elevate above the material and have, like, actual emotional feelings. Totally, I think that's awesome. Yeah, for me... It is, the best performance is the Arbiter. Yeah. Uh, because I think it does... For me, it would come down to Dax, Lady Tondro, and the Arbiter for best yeah. performance. Sure. Um, Lady Tondro's performance, for me, is a hair too obvious. It's a little heavy-handed. I give you that. It's just a hair yeah, yeah. too obvious what right. that character is feeling because right. Odo doesn't pick up on it. Yeah. And it just doesn't quite work for the story for me. Yep. It's impressive from an acting point of view. You know what that character's thinking. That character has a past and you can hear it mm-hmm. in, in what she's saying. But it's, it's to me, it's just a little too much. I, I Where, can can I explain? Can I jump into your explanation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go. I can accept it because headcanon. She's a dramatic person. She's dramatic in the sense that she wasted the last minute to fly into space mall space court. Ah, I can solve this right here. I'm the widow, and he did this. Right. You know. So her also when she sees Jedzia to be like. Wah. Oh. Yeah, and uh, all of her oh, like that was, yeah. Right. She was really good in that moment. Yeah. She's, re- it's. I mean, she did awesome. Don't get me wrong. But for me, the Arbiter's performance is like so fucking funny. Yeah, like oh, she yeah, just yeah. like <laughs> killed it. She, she does, just yeah. killed it. She's it's, got so much sass. It's fucking hilarious. <laughs> it's like amazing. What I, if she, a night court bailiff was the judge? Exactly. Like, it's so out of place, but it works in this weird way. And it's just my greatest joy in the episode is the moments where she's on screen. I actually thought about making a supercut for the episode today of just the Arbiter's lines. <laughs> uh, I didn't yes. do it because I didn't have time, but I just, thought just about it. Just the gavel. A supercut yeah. of just the gavel. That's how much I liked her fucking performance is that I'm like, <laughs> I want to see all of that back to back. So for me, it's her. And what is her... N- what is her name? I've still got it close. Oh, I spelled Flanagan wrong. Fionnula okay. Flanagan. Anne Haney Anne is Haney, her name. Yeah. So I'm going Anne Haney. Okay. Uh, someone in chat had said, picture her saying, with the, hitting the gavel and saying, I, uh, <laughs> you, you are, are the weakest, weakest link. link. I yeah, saw that. Perfect. That's awesome. Okay, wait. I have to vote for Amanda. Paula said that. Paula W. It's me, Paula W. It's you! Wait, Amanda, who do you vote for? Amanda voted. Oh, you voted. Did right. it, Who did Andy vote for? I have to put in Andy's vote, then. The Arbiter. Awesome. Okay. Boom. The Arbiter rules. And the results! Ooh, boom. The Arbiter! Oh. With half of the vote. Lady yeah. Tanjo and Odo also got votes. Yep. But the Arbiter... That's fair. Yeah. That's... Yeah. Very fair. Odo, I mean, his performance was awesome in this one. Yeah. So, Anne Haney taking it. Nice. So, now we have to do my favorite segment. Mushroom scores. Mushroom scores, which we don't keep track of because they are ethereal. Because <laughs> they're nonsense. So I think it's pretty obvious. Wait, we got to explain real quick because I know Paula oh, hasn't people. been here before. Okay. Uh, the mushroom score is like rating the episode on the scale on the of scale of, of zero to ten space mushrooms because of the mycelial network of from 
Discovery, which is just utter nonsense. Right. So it's like, how much nonsense is how the much, episode? How much nonsense? How much space magic? How much magic space magic is in this episode? The first one got a 12 because Q is is the scale. <laughs> yeah. 12 out of 10. Yeah. And I consider the Mycelial Network to be a solid 7. For me, the, the Mycelial Network is a 10 Maybe out of 10. Maybe an 8. No It's way. a 10 out of 10 close space magic. 10. Not even close to a 10. 10 out of 10. You know what? You can travel through Mycelial Network, never turn into a lizard, and fuck a co-worker. Yeah, well, that's, so. that is a 1,000 out of 10. <laughs> that that mo- That is the moment that breaks Star Trek forever. Oh, it's... Mm, mm, and it's mm, what... I love it. Like, if Star Trek didn't break when they threshold. went to the gangster planet, nothing can break Star Trek. That's that you is hear the, me? that you hear is me? the episode that proves that nothing can break Star Trek. Yes. Even the first season of Discovery, <laughs> Star Trek will survive. Star Trek will survive. Kevin, I'm curious how you feel about Discovery because, like, you and I talked about wanting better, you know, LGBT representation, and we finally got it. And then, like, what they did with it infuriated me. Yeah. And I, I, I understand that there will be more with that with those characters in season two. I don't want to give spoilers, but right. Okay, you're super we, angry. I, yeah, I, I was so fucking mad. Yeah. Yeah, I, so absolutely. Mad. I want to see what they're going to do with it now. They they yeah. have set uh, an obligation that they have to fulfill. This is the whole idea of shows making promises. Yeah, it's right up the same goddamn trope alley. Totally. After Kirk and Spock took on Hitler's Germany. Yeah. Okay. What what is the spa- what is the space mushroom rating for that? For, for a piece of the action. Is that what that episode's called? Uh, yeah, we're trying a to piece avoid of spoilers. Action is rated. <laughs> I give that a. 5.5. I, I buy clip of mushrooms. I kind of buy it. I kind of buy it. Coik. Okay, what about Dax? Space mushrooms on Dax. Like, how much... Uh, man, I give this, like, a... I give this, like, a, a one. Yeah, I was gonna say a zero, even. There's, like, the only space magic is the symbiotic relationship. But even that is, but like... But that I buy completely. This whole, sh- this whole episode... A piece could, of something. <laughs> yeah. This whole episode could be told in, like, near-future Earth setting. In a different side, it doesn't have to be a sci-fi space magic show, you know. Yeah, this could be genetic engineering, near future kind of exploration of what it means. Yeah, totally. The symbiote is a mechanism to get there, but you could get there through other means. Yeah, one mushroom. It's very believable. I very agree. believable. I yeah. agree. I, 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 this is a one mushroom situation. Yeah, and then the Q episode is infinite mushrooms. Yeah, Clueless. it's not even. It's infinite mushrooms. It's. Wishing for infinite wishes to wish for infinite mushrooms. Because yes. it's Q. Q is mm, all the mushrooms. Q is just mushrooms. Mycelial Network, seven and a half. Seven. Q infinite. I'm convinced that the Mycelial Network is the Q continuum. Oh. I'm convinced of that. I had a long, elaborate joke theory where I predicted what the future of all of the subsequent seasons of Discovery were going to do. Let me see if I can find it. Wait, are they voting on stuff? I've got I got too high and now I've lost the thread. I think we no, we finished it. Yeah, uh, the arbiter won okay. for best performance. We're in like oh right, we went to we are now. We're hey, in, what's we're up, in, Andy? We're in bonus stream time where I can look up stuff on my phone. We're now in the stream time where we can do whatever the fuck we want. <laughs> yeah, we we no longer have an agenda. We've passed beyond our agenda. Okay, well I want to find this thing. I don't even know if it's funny or not. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we could play a bit of a game, too, like we did last oh, time. Yeah. Uh, last time we started the, the Deep Space Nine Super Nintendo game, but it actually crashed. So <laughs> it was rough. I need to, because I was using a ROM, so I need to get a cartridge, and I haven't done it yet. I used to own a cartridge for that, and I don't know what happened to it. Oh, yeah, all right. Here's, I'm going to read this long theory. Discovery, no, yeah, Discovery runs for seven seasons. In the final season, crew members get scattered throughout the timeline. 
past and future due to some temporal accident. After making some uh, temporal whatever adjustments to the spore drive, they're able to make a limited number of jumps through time at will. They start jumping through time to rescue crew members. Uh, there'd be one like joke episode where they do like a Scott Bakula rescuing Archer as a quantum leap kind of like funny thing. I was, I was just going to insist that that be included. Absolutely. Okay, in the series finale, they jump to Earth in the 1960s. On the way back to their timeline, something goes wrong in a flood of Technobabble's time particles spills into the mycelial network, causing it to burn out. As the mycelial network burns out, it warps reality, and the network extends everywhere. The flood of time particles from the 1960s is mixed with green glowy spore particles, and then reality itself bends so that all of time and all of the aesthetic starts to look like Earth 1960s aesthetic. Women's uniforms become skirts. Headridges disappear from all alien species. Sophisticated computer interfaces now become silver boxes with lights and knobs. Data crystals become reel-to-reel tapes. Holographic communication disappears for another century. Oh my god. So relax. It will all work out. Wow. But I like that show. I've solved Discovery. <laughs> you solved Discovery! That's so good. Spock kicks Tuvok's ass. Tuvix? Spock... <laughs> <laughs> what would happen if you combined tu- Tuvix and Spock? You would have you would have Spuvix. Spuvix. <laughs> that sounds very uh, Babylon Five. Spuvix. Spuvix. Yeah. Spuvix is a cereal you can get on. Um, I was gonna say Sagittarius. What the fuck is the? What the fuck is Londo? Uh, Centauri. Centauri. It's it's a Centauri cereal. Spuvix. Spuvix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that shit's called spoo. Spoo, isn't it? yeah. Spoo. I can forget if you have to eat it cold or warm. It's that reminds me. Uh, Kevin's screen name is Initiate Zathras. Oh, nice! Isn't that a great nice. screen name? That's a good one. <laughs> well, do you want to play a game for a minute? Yeah, let's play a game. Maybe take a quick break and play some games. Yeah. Doug and I played Starlink Battle for Atlas for about 40 minutes at the end of this live stream, but that's better seen than listened to. So if you want to check it out, it lives on my YouTube page in the Doug Space 9 playlist at youtube.com slash Sci-Fi. That's going to do it for this episode of Space Nerds. Thank you all so much for listening. I really appreciate you. Until next time, stay nerdy out there. Space Nerds is listener-funded through Patreon. To support the show and gain access to bonus content, sign up at patreon.com slash Sci-Fi. If you love this podcast, help me spread the word by sharing it on your favorite social media platform, leaving us a positive rating and review on the podcast platform of your choice, or by contacting me directly via email at sci-fi at jessemercury.com. For more cosmic content, including my sci-fi synth-pop album, music videos, podcasts, and live streams, visit my website at jessemercury.com. Keep it spacey, baby!